Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Cinematic Universe, the comic book movie podcast that wants you to ask your parents where babies come from. I'm Joe Cunningham <laughs> and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Sir Patrick. And James Hunt. We'll discuss the latest comic book movie and TV news before diving into our spoiler-filled thoughts on Aaron Horvath and Peter Ryder Michiles' 2018 movie, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. But before any of that... I'm going to explain to the listeners something they don't know yet about this podcast. Um, so, guys, we're 100 episodes in. We're nearly five years in. And um, I'm sure, as most of our listeners will know, uh, I uh, my wife's about to have a baby. And I uh, was due to go on paternity leave from the podcast following this episode. Um, that is still happening, except also this will be my last episode as host of the podcast. They finally oh. fired him. <laughs> it was it was it was it was far from home. It was all that Mysterio stuff. It was just, it was just <laughs> too much irreconcilable yeah. differences. But it, crucially, it's not your last podcast ever. No. So the plan is, I'm go- I'm going to be stepping back from the podcast on a regular basis. Um, the the reasons being, uh, which I, it, Seven James and I have uh, been discussing off podcast, obviously. Um, obviously, things are going to be a lot busier for me uh, with a baby. Also, I would say like my work commitments have generally uh, have been like stepping up over the course of the podcast. <laughs> unlike unlike mine and Seb's, which are <laughs> waning. <laughs> well, and also we I <laughs> I don't seem to have the unique ability that Seb has to like juggle 12 projects at the same time and actually do them all. <laughs> like when I have multiple projects, just the other ones die. It has been a while since I last did an episode of Mythical Infinity, which you've made me painfully aware of. So yeah. <laughs> That'll be coming out next week then. Stay tuned for that, <laughs> listeners. Well, just send Seb the tweets. Um... So yeah, so I'll, I'll be stepping back as regular host. I'm, the plan is uh, when Seven James want to have me uh, that I will return as a guest um, and hopefully it won't be too long before that happens for the first time. But yeah, from from here on in, it's the Seven James show occasionally featuring Joe, but you guys can explain more about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's weird because um, obviously 
the premise of this podcast was always you as the host as being the guy who was into movies wanting to learn more about the comics that me and james would talk to you about uh, yeah but- and we may we may check later in this podcast how well that <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, you, you may find out james that it has all gone in one ear and out of the other <laughs> <laughs> but i definitely think though you know those lines have become more blurred as we've gone on i think um you know james would would admit to being less of a film person generally and i think has probably become more of a film talking person as a result of this <laughs> Film talking person, guy. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I think that the real turning point for me was when uh, on a on a recent episode, I only realised it now that it was a turning point that um, you were able to talk about the comic of Paper Girls because you knew it better than me and James did. <laughs> and that was when we knew that the original premise of this podcast had already pretty much kind of gone by the wayside. So I don't think we think there's too much of a problem. Um, with carrying on, but not just like replacing you with someone who's in the position that you were five years ago. Because if, if we did that, they'd just be having to watch, you know, a load of. They wouldn't get to do all the MCU films. <laughs> they wouldn't get to do, mm. you know, most of the good Batman films and that kind of thing. So um, we are carrying on. We'll carry on doing the stuff that we do, the stuff that we cover. You might find that the style of the discussion changes a bit because we won't just be doing a tell me about the comics all the time. I think it would just be more us talking you know, more generally about the films and about the background of the comics and stuff. We're planning to, essentially, it'll be James and I, and then we'll rotate guests, but they won't be guests doing the host role for the most part. Um, There'll be some recognisable names, people you've heard on the podcast before, some people who we haven't had a chance to get on yet, but we're really looking forward to getting on. Um, So hopefully, you know, it's not going to be business as usual, but it will be a new and similar kind of business. So... um, you know, hopefully we can we can keep maintaining the high standards that we've inexplicably become known for. Yeah, I mean the plan is to replace Joe with John Don Cheadle initially. <laughs> well, he's not got anything lined up in the MCU, so <laughs> <laughs> brutal fucking hell. Um, but yeah, so as I said, it's been it's been five years. I mean, we got to, we finally caught up in the MCU, um, and it's been. 100 100 main episodes there's been a lot more than that when you count in all of the bonuses and all of the minisodes but like in terms of our podcast that Seb will do a nice little piece of cover art for with a with a <laughs> issue issue number in the top corner uh this is this is episode 100 um and it feels like a, a lovely a lovely round number mm. and guys we're, we're so we're, we're going to be celebrating today 100 episodes um of uh, comic book nonsense and education and what a perfect <laughs> what a perfect movie to blend that kind of nonsense and comic book geeky yeah, stuff that it, teen titans go to the movies it took us a while to land on what we were going to do for this and um I, w- I will admit i won't say what but there was something that i suggested that i thought was absolutely perfect and i was a bit miffed when uh, you didn't agree because you, <laughs> you didn't feel about it the same way as me but actually we, we well firstly you know i i appreciate that you probably had in the back of your mind that this was going to be your last one and you wanted it to be something that you really wanted to do and also i couldn't actually think of anything better suited (laughs) because of what it's about and because of what it's like it we couldn't couldn't have planned it better for this to be what we did (laughs) james suggested it and i just went oh yeah yeah Yeah, that makes that makes sense so So james and i had both seen teen titans goes to the movies before about um well i I think i saw it in uh, around christmas time last year around this around a similar time to seeing um into the spider-verse um 
James, you'd seen it. Did you see it on release or did you see it on home release as well? <laughs> I saw it in the cinema twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, August last year. Early convert. And Seb, this was your first time? It was. I, I was. Wait, I thought I'd wait until, obviously, we did it for the podcast and I didn't want to do it for the podcast until my first viewing could be sitting down and actually watching it with Lois um, to see if she would engage with it or not. Uh, you'll find out a bit later in the episode whether or not she engaged <laughs> with the film. Okay, so we, we've explained something um, that the listeners didn't know. Uh, we've, we've teed up the movie. Uh, James has also, um, I can only imagine, has been like giggling to himself for the past week or so because he's been um, cooking up some special <laughs> little bits and pieces for the podcast, which Seb and I are not allowed to know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I spend a lot of time giggling to myself, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be sprinkling those in throughout the podcast as well. Yeah, you know what? Let's do the first one now, shall we? That'll be Fair. a fun time to do Let's it. Go Exciting. It. Yeah. So this is a little feature I've put together, which I call X-Man or X-Girlfriend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to, Joe, this is to, to test your knowledge of comics and how far you've actually come from the sort of neophyte idiot who first said to us hey let's do a podcast so i can learn about comics you know and based on the assumption that becoming an expert in comics was at all possible if you haven't been living it for your entire life i'm slightly worried that you've put x in the title of this given that as we discovered (laughs) frequently throughout the podcast x-men is like my (laughs) your blind spot my real struggle when it comes to reading comics or x-men comics no i promise this is the only x-men related one Okay. <laughs> um, so I think the way we'll do it is I'm going to give you a civilian name of either an X-Men character or one of the X-Men's girlfriends. And I want you to tell me whether you think they're an X-Man or an ex-girlfriend. And if you don't get it, Seb will get the chance to steal. <laughs> right, and we'll okay. see whether you have learnt more than Seb about the X-Men. See, in the past when there's been quizzes, I've normally been quite good on the colour ones. So like... Guessing the colour of kryptonite and the colour of different lanterns. Um, I seem to remember one of them was the colour of ambivalence, so that might have just been my response. But so what, this time it's either an, an X-Man or a, an, X, an X-Men character's girlfriend. Yep. Is that right? Okay. X-Man or ex-girlfriend, that's all you have to say. Okay. So I'm going to start you off with what I consider to be quite an easy one. Can I just, before you start, point out a flaw in your quiz? You Go said on. that if Joe doesn't get it, I get the chance to steal. But if Joe doesn't <laughs> yeah. get it, I've got a 100% chance of getting it right. <laughs> okay, yeah, what I should have said is you have to explain who that character actually is. Okay, fine. That makes a degree <laughs> of sense. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with Trish Tilby. Oh, this is the easy one, is it? Yep. Uh, I'm going to go ex-girlfriend. That is an ex-girlfriend. Mm. That is, and she's a news reporter who was Beast's girlfriend for a while. Why was that easy? Huh? Because she's she's been in the movies, Joe. Has she? Who was? Which yeah. movie was she in? I don't know. She was on like screen in X Men Two or something, right? A movie with Beast in it. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. God knows. <laughs> is okay. she the one who, in Morrison's X Men Run, she phones up Beast when he becomes famous for uh, going out in public, and then it's when he says that he thinks he's gay. That's the one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Point for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe got that point, I'm afraid. Um, okay, here's another fairly easy one Molly Hayes. Me. Molly Hayes. Um, I'm going to go X Man. 
That is an X-Men. Before you explain, yes. can I have a guess? Because I don't know, and this is purely based on the name. Go. Is she someone that Peter David created in X Factor? She is not. Oh, it sounded like such a Peter David character name. She is Princess Powerful from The Runaways. Uh, uh, who, that, was a, who was a member of the X-Men at one point. Runaway is something we've never covered on the podcast, and so my knowledge remains <laughs> zero. Okay, I'm going to do another one. Uh, Laura Kinney. Oh, that's uh, is that that's X23. That is X23. Started with that one. That was the easy <laughs> one. three for three. Not bad. Uh, let's. I'm going to pick Lee Forrester. Oh, I feel like I've read a comic with that name in. Um, I'm gonna go ex-girlfriend. That is an ex-girlfriend. Wow, the ex-girlfriend of Cyclops, Magneto, and almost Cable. Early early nineties Cyclops ex-girlfriend. Uh, late eighties, I think, actually. But close. yeah, but that but that's probably the year. I, I'm I'm imagining I did not read that comic, but probably heard it on the um, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men podcast. Very years, likely, years yeah. and years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's have a look. How about Yuriko Oyama? Right, okay. I'm going to go ex-girlfriend and assume it's from Wolverine in Japan. It is. It's Lady <laughs> Deathstrike. Yes. Oh, Lady De- Deathstrike off of X2. Yeah, yeah. The most the, the the most hideous death in any superhero yeah, movie. Yeah, and where she has, I believe, zero lines. Yeah, not a, not a good look from that uh, checks notes <laughs> Brian Singer <No>. movie. <laughs> okay, this you're doing pretty well here. I'm going to do two more, and we'll I mean, see I'm not going to lie to you. Seb James, gets a chance I'm on to do any. One hundred percent so far. Yeah, <laughs> crushing uh, it. Okay, um, Megan Gwynn. Oh, oh, that's tough. Um, I'm gonna go X Man. That is that's an X Man. Seb, do you know who it is? It's, it's Pixie. Pixie. It is Pixie. No, no. Yeah. The Welsh X Man from her cobbled <laughs> the, streets. The one Welsh X Man. Yeah. Oh, there was a what? What was the surname? Was Gwyn. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Welsh. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do one more. Opal Tanaka. Opal Tanaka. I'm gonna go again. I, I, I need to point out I've recognised one of these names. <laughs> I, <laughs> f- figured out one of one with deduction and pretty much stabbed in the dark at the rest. Um, say the name again. Opal Tanaka. Opal Tanaka sounds too fanciful not to have mutant powers, so I'm gonna go X Man. Ah, it was almost hundred percent. Ah. Seb, can you explain who Opal Tanaka is? I'm afraid I can't, actually. Nah, she's Iceman's girlfriend, most famous for being abducted by a samurai. Because, you know, she's Asian, so... <laughs> and she she never had any powers? No, no, I don't don't know if she even had a job, to be honest. That's when, too when good a name to from, waste on someone that would have powers. had a girlfriend, because I don't remember reading many comics. Would that, that, would that be uh, like X-Factor kind of era? It was X-Factor, yeah. Mm. They met when, I believe, X-Factor's ship blocked out the sun to her apartment, and Iceman went to say sorry. Fair enough. Nice meet cute. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by the standards of X-Men. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's pretty good, considering you've barely read any X-Men comics. You've got six out of seven there. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll take it. A bit disappointing okay. to get the last one wrong. 
<laughs> it would have been a clean yeah. sweep but let's cut that out of the podcast so i got six out of six on the x-men <laughs> quiz what a fantastic start so um, you'll, you'll get a chance to redeem yourself in a different quiz later on oh goodness <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's move on now to the comic book movie and tv news uh we were going to skip this this week uh because we thought we've got enough stuff to do but i'm sure you already know by now that the podcast is four and a half hours long um from your devices uh but we don't yet so we're going to do the news anyway um and th- we thought there was two pieces of news that were a little bit too tasty to pass up uh first is that andy circus um is set to direct venom 2 um which is interesting for a number of reasons uh seb have you seen venom yet no i've i have actually now got it on the skybox because it's been so long that it's come through to be free on Sky. <laughs> this is good though because it means it. it means you can skip the entire first hour. Ah, yes, and not feel like I've <laughs> wasted paying for half of it. No, no, no. Watch yeah. all of it. The funniest thing in the movie happens in the first hour. Are you and talking about is, the fish tank thing? I'm talking about the plotting of the first hour. No, as yeah, a, fair. Yeah. As, uh, uh, as I remember, was having a lot of fun with on the podcast. The pace at which the first person to be infected with a symbiote travels across the country. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first, the first Venom movie was directed by uh, Ruben Fleischer. Who, if you can call it that, <laughs> Ruben Fleischer uh, kind of made his name on Zombieland, and then had. Um, I think it's fair to say a a couple of misfires, and then signed on to Venom, and whilst critically it got savaged, um, and I think fairly so from a Ruben Fleischer point of view, <laughs> and certainly from whoever in the studio edited that mo- the third act of that movie, um, but it made a whole heap of money, and there's stuff in there, I would say, fairly vociferously, Tom Hardy's performance, and, and most crucially, Tom Hardy's investment in this character that would make <laughs> the job of directing Venom 2 pretty attractive. I think it makes sense that you don't bring Ruben Fleischer back now that he's retreated back to uh, his Zombieland fr- franchise that uh, made him his name <laughs> in the first place. Um, and Andy Serkis boards Venom 2. And I don't know about you guys, and I say this as someone who has not seen Andy Serkis's, um straight his kind of netflix dumped jungle buck movie that kind of got (laughs) completely blown out of the water by the disney version um but by all accounts was awful um but andy circus is going to be directing venom 2 and i and i i think that makes a lot of sense what do you guys think (laughs) how's it sorry how does it make sense (laughs) so i can explain well Ignore Andy Serkis's two two directorial <laughs> credits today. Bre- <laughs> okay. Bre- Breathe and Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. Again, neither of which I've seen, but neither of which were reviewed particularly well. Um, Andy Serkis famously did a lot of second unit work on... Um, well, he directed the second unit on all of the three Hobbit movies. Um, and I think he had some involvement with the second unit as well on Lord of the Rings. Um he is obviously very, very dedicated to uh, motion capture performances and takes like quite um, an active role, not just in those performances, but in you know bringing them to screen. Mm. And I think you add that aspect of things in with 
a Venom movie, which already has kind of immediate appeal for me in terms of Tom Hardy. They've said, uh, Seb, can we spoil the se- the villain in the sequel for you? I think I already know. Yeah. So you've already got Woody Harrelson lined up as Carnage yeah. for the sequel as well. So you've got you've got a Tom Hardy, Woody Harrelson, Michelle Williams movie, and a guy who's coming at who's coming in who's really hot on the mocap. Yeah. I just I think that creatively <laughs> makes a lot more sense than what we saw the first time around. And this time, the confidence <laughs> from a studio knowing that there's a there's an audience built in for it. Mm. Who I don't think this is like Suicide Squad where you need to rip everything up and start again even though it made money. I think this is one of those things that it made money and if you if you add like a half decent script to it or have the courage in your convictions from start to finish in terms of the story you're telling, then Venom 2 could be just flat out good and not just a a very poorly put together movie that happens to have an interesting performance at the middle of it. I I've, I've got two things that I feel I need to say about this and one is that I don't think the sort of motion capture performance of Venom was the problem with the first movie. And secondly... No, it wasn't, no. Yeah. Secondly, I sort of... To me, this feels like one of those films where everyone goes to see it and then collectively goes, yeah, but I'm not. that was terrible, so I'm not going to see the next one. No, but that's, I don't think that happened with Venom. I really don't think that happened. And I think you're, I think you're finding, like... People on social media kind of going, I didn't hate that. Like, oh, oh, that got a harder time than it deserved, and and that I think is because while some aspects of it are completely laughable, it's it's kind of entertaining in spite of itself. And I think what you know the common complaint about the movie, which I do not subscribe to, is that the first hour is terrible, um, and then the movie has the good grace to do all the interesting stuff in the middle and then fly through its its third act like it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> I I think I don't think people walk away from that movie with a bad taste in their mouth. I think they walk out of that movie going, "Oh, that was <laughs> what the that hell was, just happened." That, yeah, that was kind of weird and fun. It's not like Suicide Squad where you're walking out going, "What was that Cara Delevingne dancing? What happened?" <laughs> Why have I, I just of... been bored out of my mind for the last two hours? I don't I, do... I don't think that's what people think about Venom. I do sort of think that it's going to be impossible to replicate the success of the first one because any success it had was almost entirely accidental. Like, I don't think people responded to what they intended people to respond to in that film. I think it was mostly, like you say, the strength of Tom Hardy's performance, or at least the force of it, mm. plus the complete sort of lack of polish and and you know the obviously slapdash nature of it kind of worked as an antidote to these really sort of polished superhero movies that people had been watching and i think that's the main like this sort of album cover approach to aesthetics the taika where people just went oh it looks really cool but (laughs) i mean taika waititi is more like a prog rock approach to aesthetics (laughs) this is more like a new metal album cover come to life (laughs) That's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't know if people will see it the second time. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Carnage is a big, pretty big draw. Let's be honest. It could do well. I just keep thinking, what if Venom but competent? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Andy Circus can deliver that, but I mean, <laughs> my I, main hope I would like... be that he casts himself 
in yes. a non-motion capture role because it's not that there's anything wrong with obviously he's so good at all the motion capture stuff that he does but I feel we've lost out on so many potentially great Andy Serkis live action performances because whenever he's amazing, I see him as UFC's claw in, in well yeah he's, he's fantastic in the MCU and I absolutely like genuinely one of my favourite performances like full stop of the last 10 years is him as Ian Jury in Sex and Drugs yes, and Roll. he's fantastic, incredible yeah. in that film <laughs> And I'd just like to see more of him. I get why he does what he does, and he's you know, it, it, you know, there aren't many people who can legitimately claim to be the like the the leader in the world at a particular art form that they do. Um, but yeah, you know, he's he's such a good actor that it'd be nice, given that he's directing this, that he might just stick himself in a you know supporting role somewhere. Let's well, see, I seem to let's remember Venom with... fight a cuttle, cuttlefish. That's what I want with... to see. <laughs> With Claw in Age of Ultron, I seem to remember that like it was announced that he'd been hired as a mocap consultant, hmm. and 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 then after the fact, it was announced that oh, he'll also be playing a role. Um, I think the same thing happened with Terry Notary in um, in uh, Infinity War and uh, Endgame that he was hired as a mocap consultant and ended up playing. Uh, not Ebony Moore, the other one, <laughs> which less of a <laughs> less of a performance, obviously. But he ended up playing a mocap role in the movie. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Circus is if it turns up in there in some way, and he has the kind of energy that would vibe for me with with Tom Hardy's Venom as well. That's what I think I'm signing up to because I, yeah, I like Andy Circus as an actor. I like him when he talks about cinema away from the screen, and and crucially, I think they've hired someone here who has second unit experience directing three of the biggest movies of the last decade. Now I don't happen to like those movies so much, but I don't have a massive problem with, (laughs) I don't don't have a massive problem with the action in Peter Jackson movies. Um, And so, you know, I think there's, that seems to me like a good thing. That feels like the opposite of what most superhero movies are doing, which is, hiring a director who is at least adept or experienced in directing action, which makes me hope that this is not a, we're going to pre-visit all and then just, you know, fit the rest of the scenes around what we've already constructed for the action scenes. That, that at least sets it slightly apart from what all of the other superhero movies are doing. And that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. So Venom 2, all on board. <laughs> we'll have to get you back on the pod when it comes out. <laughs> oh my god, you couldn't keep <laughs> to me away. eat your words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't eat them on the first podcast. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Love me that venom. Okay, uh, well, let's move over to MCU uh, for the other piece of news. This is that uh, Gemma Chan is in talks to join Marvel's The Eternals, according to Variety. Um, so this is interesting, right, guys? Because as listeners probably know, Gemma Chan starred in Captain Marvel as Min Erva, one of Jude Law's... Um, uh, what were they? Star Force? <laughs> yeah, Star yeah, Force. Yeah, Star Force. Um, so uh, she was Kree in that movie. Um, she was and, Kree, yeah. And uh, turned out to be um, a bit of a wrong one. Um, and you would uh, uh, the first line of that article was so interesting. Je- Gemma Chan's in talks to join Marvel's The Eternals, at which I go like, well, doesn't every actor who turns up in a Marvel movie ever sign away like a seven movie deal? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yes, I will return for anything and everything. 
but, but presumably this, that assumes they play the same character, right? Yeah, because what this article goes on to say is it is unknown whether she'd be playing the same role in The Eternals. Some sources have indicated that her part in The Eternals would be a completely different role, which, if true, would mark one of the first times a star will have played two different characters in the same cinematic universe. I'm not sure that's... It's not the first time, obviously. Uh, Laura Haddock springs mm. to mind in, in the MCU on the big screen alone, and I, I know that certain actors have done it like Alfred Woodard has done it between uh, TV and movies but I think we all now agree not the same cinematic universe okay. and Mahershala <laughs> Mahersh- 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 yeah, yeah. is about to do it um, Benjamin this- Cumberbatch played Dormammu and Doctor Strange <laughs> yes absolutely yeah um, so yeah uh, Chris I Evans wonder- played Captain America and Loki <laughs> very true <laughs> and um, earlier Captain America if does that count <laughs> for himself? Um, <laughs> so yeah, this this is interesting because it let's let's go on the assumption that she's playing a different character. Now I think that it's easy in the world of the MCU to go right. Well, so Laura Haddock was a was an autograph seeker in Captain America: The First Avenger, and then she turns up as Star Lord's mum in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Two relatively small roles quite a few years apart it's quite quite low-key as well i mean like it's for the no, same nobody thing except like... her parents would have known that she played both <laughs> those parts if not for the internet figuring it out <laughs> <laughs> but then like even if i think even if like vin diesel turned up or bradley cooper turned up in the mcu in a live action role in a different role you know how like for years vin Paul diesel was camp yes you well you're kind of the same character though but you, you wouldn't it, you wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. be distracting no. um Whereas this would be Gemma Chan starring in 2019 movie Captain Marvel in a fairly prominent supporting role. And she wasn't... I I know she was blue, but she wasn't exactly buried in makeup. It was recognisably Gemma Chan, who is, like, increasingly, like, after Crazy Rich Asians, is, you know, getting getting a bit of a profile in Hollywood. For then her to turn up in the 2020 movie The Eternals... In if it's being reported by Variety, you'd have to imagine again a fairly significant supporting role. You wonder whether Marvel are doing something a bit tricksy here. <laughs> I wonder whether they've just run out of actors. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never run out of actors. <laughs> <laughs> so, do, what what would your bet be? Do you reckon? Do you reckon a it's a different role, and Marvel just want you to ignore that you've seen it before? B actually this is Minerva but maybe they don't want us to know it straight away or see it's something different entirely Marvel being a bit playing with timelines or multiverses (laughs) (laughs) you never let it go (laughs) she's she's Minerva B nailed it do you know what, Joe? Since it's since it since it's your last episode as host, uh, yes, it's the multiverse. She's playing a multiverse version of Minerva, who who is an eternal for some reason. No, I I, I do just think she's just playing the same character. You think it's Minerva? Uh, it's so- interesting because I I come down on she's playing a different character, and we're just not supposed to care. <laughs> Because I, cause I, cause I was thinking, I mean, when I, when I saw the headline before I clicked on the article, I went, oh, that's interesting. So they're doing Kree stuff in Eternals, which wouldn't that be a bit confusing with 
you've got Eternals and what are they what are they called the the bad guys? Deviants. You've got Eternals and Deviants, and then you've got <laughs> if you're introducing the Krees, we know there are Kree sleeper cells on Earth now. Yeah, how many alien races can we have who look exactly like humans? <laughs> <laughs> so you know that all all of that mixed in, you kind of go, well, well, if that's the case, then I imagine you probably have to have Nick Fury, and you have to be given the the post credits stuff from Far From Home that you you have to pay lip service to all of that stuff as well. Is that going to become a part of the Eternals? But I think we'd know by now, wouldn't we, if Nick Fury was going to be playing a part in this movie, unless it's just a nod towards that stuff. But then, James, you think it's just now Marvel are going, no, sorry, we've got a different actor. We've got the same actor. She's playing someone different. Don't think about it. Yeah, that's... I don't know. It feels like that to me, because I think... I think Minerva's not a big enough character to to put in Eternals and have anyone care. Did she like, die? Why? I don't even remember if she died. You know what? What is it about Minerva did. that makes makes her big enough to build up in this way? Like, if you're gonna synergize, do it with a character people care about. But you could say the same thing about putting, and I've even forgotten the name of Jim on Hounzu's character from Guardians. Korath. Who they put in Korath, Korath from Captain, um, putting him in Captain Marvel. It didn't matter that it was substantially him, more memorable than only because than he got he, he got, oh, got exactly one agree. joke in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> one <laughs> joke. Literally, only because he was in the trailer. I think. I actually, I, I thought Gemma Chan was good. That what I was wondering is if the, if this is a different character, maybe it's almost a situation like they're they're thinking back nine years and going, do you remember when we cast Idris Elba? <laughs> right before he became a massive star and we cast him in too small of a role and then we kind of struggled trying to beef up that role because we wanted to be in the Idris Elba business and in the end it just didn't work out for either of us what if this time we think Gemma Chan's going to get big we want to be involved with her for the next decade let's just give her a bigger character and never talk about Minerva again <laughs> I saw that be the case? that's what it is yeah yeah what if she's older Minerva? <laughs> I mean, what's one more character no one gives a shit about added to the Eternals, right? To fit with the 20 other ones who are making up the cast. <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be weird if she played a secondary villain again, right? Because when, when I see her here, I do kind of think, oh, probably one of the Deviants. But maybe that's well, cause I, because I've just seen Captain Marvel this year. That's the thing. To add her at this stage seems like... You know, they've cast all the major people, right? So who's she going to be that's that plumber plumber role? Well, they've cast all of the Eternals. We don't know anything about the villains yet. To our knowledge, right? I mean... Absolutely not. Like, people who've read the Eternals comics don't know anything about the villains. (laughs) Okay, so Gemma Chan's joining the Eternals. Could Could be good, could be bad, could be the same again. I just want to note about Gemma Chan, because I've just noted from looking at her Wikipedia page, she was born the day before me in the same year. So she's a, a day older than me and went to the same university as me, so would have been at the same university as me at the same time. So I'm counting that as I went to school with somebody in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would count that as, oh my God, I'm here and she's there. <laughs> I was going to say, your fortunes have differed somewhat. <laughs> Luckily, neither of you have to go out with Jack Whitehall anymore, so you're both winning at life in, in some department. 
<laughs> so that's the end of the news. Um, we will be going into our spoiler-filled discussion of Teen Titans Goes to Movies very shortly. But first, Seb has a section now that he wants to add in for some more 100th anniversary fun. Okay, so first of all, I'm gonna. I, I almost brought this up when you were talking about, um, you know, having done a hundred main episodes, and uh, I wanted to uh, just do a little, a little bit of stat number crunching regarding those episodes. But first, I'm gonna turn it into a little quiz, right? So, guess how many hours, and we'll we'll do it to the closest hour of cinematic universe there have been up to but not including this episode and this is without i've got the figure for without the patreon only bonus stuff and the figure for with the patreon only bonus stuff let's go for the without figure who can get to the closest hour how many hours there are in total from every episode every 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 episode minisode and bonus episode so everything that's ever been put out on the main feed how long is that in total? How long is that main feed in total before we release this episode? Okay, well, I'm going to go for an average of two and a half hours per main episode. <laughs> Maybe, no, no, two no, hours, two didn't. hours, 15, two <laughs> hours, 15 per main episode. So what's that? <laughs> it's, uh, two, 250 hours of main episodes. Then we say there's been about... Uh, uh, I go for three hundred and seventy-two hours of cinematic universe. <laughs> In that case, I'm going to go for three hundred and seventy-three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe wins because James went the wrong side of Joe's incredibly ah. high estimates. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're you're way off with your average episode length because we didn't start to pass the two-hour mark. Uh. Uh, the first episode that I think passes two hours is Ghost World, episode 28. That's right. two hours and, and one minute, and so is Man of Steel, the episode that followed it. Um, we started off less than an hour. Well, yeah, the, I think it, I think it's hilarious that, and yeah, well, while we're on kind of individual episode lengths, um, the fact that the shortest main episode is shorter than several minisodes. Yeah. Um, the Daredevil episode is 53 minutes long. And there are there are a lot of minisodes that are over an hour. Uh, the longest ever minisode, I think, is. Let me see if I can find that. I'm, I'm scrolling it's down. It's got to be the recent SDCC one, right? Well, as, no, it was, as, no, that's a bonus. That's not a bonus. Is oh, okay. No, the longest minisode you... is, is the most recent one. It's the Sandman one. That was an hour and thirty-eight. Right. Wow. <laughs> so I I remember after the very first episode, that Daredevil episode, we was. Uh, I remember having like a load of notes that I'd written on the movie mm. and afterwards being like, I miss so much stuff. Why don't we, could, should we make it like an, an uh, like an aspect of the mini side of like stuff we might have missed and listeners can like uh, send in any stuff that they, they were like, Oh, why don't you talk about this? Or like, I noticed this thing. And we were like, uh, no, it feels like we're just kind of repeating ourselves there. Let's not mm-hmm. do it. And I never got to talk about Ben Affleck's fantastic BDSM Daredevil suit. Um, <laughs> I, it's, what, it's weird. I'm like, how? Yeah, how did we add? How did we remotely adequately cover it in 53 minutes? Well, we didn't because we literally we did a Deadpool. A uh, Deadpool. I stu- that's ah, that's mighty. The last hundred episodes. <laughs> uh, we did a Daredevil episode and didn't comment on the suit, which feels like a miss. But um, we address that in future episodes by making most episodes on average three times the length of that. So yeah. <laughs> I think we I well, think we covered our bases fairly 
fairly adequately there. Yeah, so so what that led to then is a total uh, of 290 hours and 48 minutes without okay. the Patreon stuff. But with the Patreon stuff, uh, there's an additional eight hours. So it's 298 hours, which means that when this episode comes wow. out, we will have clocked 300. So <laughs> you can feel proud of that. Um, but also as well, since you mentioned the subject of, of the Minisodes and obviously what the Minisodes originally were, and if there's anyone who's kind of joined listening more recently and hasn't gone back to the older stuff, the original concept of the Minisodes was literally that Joe would review the comics that we recommended because we used to have a much more rigid system of specifically recommend something for the films. That's kind of We do it sometimes, but it's kind of gone by the wayside now. And that very first Minisode in which you were reviewing some Daredevil comics, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to assume that it was probably born again and man without fear does that sound probably right so i don't think was... we sent you to the bender stuff straight away because it was the I stuff for you... that movie was it not the kevin smith i meant the kevin smith i said born again but i actually meant guardian yeah. devil we did um, born again after daredevil yeah. season one i think yeah um but yeah, that minisode was 13 minutes and 46 seconds. Wow. It's like, you know, there's, there's, there's intros to episodes that are shorter, that are longer than that. Um, yeah, so, that, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a little bit, but just, just to give you an idea of just how much material we've put out over the last five years. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that we did, and the other thing I just wanted to go through before we, we do move on, is that um, we put out the question on Twitter, obviously people didn't know this at the time that it was partly because of the fact that it was it was going to be your last one as host but also just celebrating the first 99 episodes and so we asked the listeners uh, on twitter what your favorite episodes from the last 900 uh, last 900 bloody hell that's never going to happen the last 99 were um and so some of the comments we got um i say some of i'm, I'm going to go through all of them and, and feel free to chip in with with any comments and responses that you have uh steve lacy said uh, i generally prefer your reviews of non-current films as the revisiting of the film on its own terms rather than in the heat of the moment is an element of the show i really like so he cites uh dark knight superman man of steel i do you know what i'm sorry i just need to jump in there the fact that anyone enjoyed listening to our man of steel episode which i would describe as one of the most stressful couple of hours <laughs> of my life <laughs> sat, He's not the only one to mention it. it it comes up again later yeah so, but it, it's uh, great because like you were so anti it reese was yeah. quite positive and i'm sat in the middle going <laughs> I don't like this movie, but I mean, the <laughs> extremes on each side of me are so, yeah. so severe. <laughs> that's, that, that's what a good movie debate should be all about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Matthew Turner, uh, he's guessed it a few times. Uh, it says that he's slightly biased when he says the Rocketeer episode. That was, that was a very unsurprising <laughs> answer. Um, Adam Wareham says, Ghost World, uh, please cover more non-superhero films. We, we, do, we do want and need to do more non-superhero stuff. None of them will be as good as Ghost World because I, I would still possibly say if push came to shove ghost world is my favorite film that we've covered so far and and that is one of my favorite episodes i enjoyed talking about that so much um chris bradish bradish sorry um says infinity war episode without doubt um would you guys which which would you guys say out of endgame and infinity war you enjoyed doing more Ooh. I, I preferred Infinity the... War as a film but i think endgame was the better podcast <laughs> i enjoyed um I enjoyed the fact that we agreed before we did Infinity War that we would not edit it at all. <laughs> that we would just we would just yeah. dump it on the internet yeah. uh, with with all of our thoughts because yeah. uh, that was the other thing when you when you were talking through all the like the older stuff and I was like, well, if we've got three hundred hours released, we must have four hundred <laughs> hours that haven't actually made it out. Um, you say that we uh, beyond the first, I reckon 
five to ten episodes, I don't think we've edited as much. That's why they're I, so long. <laughs> I, I think maybe the first two years were, were, were heavily yeah. edited. I, re- I certainly remember X-Men First Class having to, like, take a pair of... Like take a chainsaw to basically, basically. Whenever you got your current job is when we stopped editing so much. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started off this. I started off this podcast in London, and then moved to Leeds for a couple of years, and then moved to Nottingham. But that Nottingham was three years in. So okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, Louis Strong says off the top of my head, Spider Verse, Scott Pilgrim, Ghost World again, and uh, Captain America: First Avenger. He says he guesses he likes it when we're enthusiastic. We had an interesting balance between the people whose favourites were you guys loved this and you guys hated it and tore into it. Some people, some people just like hearing us miserable. I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I listened. Well. I re-listened to bits of Howard the Duck uh, yesterday, and. <laughs> The despair in our voices is evident throughout. <laughs> well, David Jones says that he mostly listens in the car and had to turn off the Howard the Duck episode as I was laughing so hard I thought it was about to crash. Uh, I think that's that's the one that I have the fondest memories of recording. Yeah, that was that was an enjoyable one, and I I personally I still think re- back really fondly to Punisher because I think that's the biggest leap between how how much I thought I was going to enjoy the film going in and how much I enjoyed talking about it coming out. I think we had such great... And we've always said, you know, if we were to put on a screen in night, I think it would be a Howard and Punisher double bill. Uh, <laughs> I think they would be the most cinematic universe things to do. You see, I um, think with with new releases, I I have the most fun when... I really like the movie and I can just come out and go, oh, guys, what do you think about that bit? And what do you think about that bit? And I'll like it and just just kind of have... And I'm sure it is less critical than some of the... But like when I like a new movie, I just want to go like, ah! Um, but then I think probably the most interesting films to talk about are normally like... The, in terms of bad movies, bad movies that are at least fun, like Howard the Duck or Punisher, or... Bad movie, maybe movies that aren't that aren't good, but there's there's some merit in them, and there's some interesting stuff to dig into within that. Like for mm. me, that's where Man of Steel fits. It's not a good movie, but I can see, hmm. I can see the the good stuff hiding in it, <laughs> and that's and that's fun to eke out sometimes. I tell you which episode fits that criteria for me, and that's Tank Girl. <laughs> yes, that was. Fun. I think we did a really good job with that one. If we, I was going yeah, to recommend yeah. anything, it would be go and listen to that because we we found the we worked to pick out Girl. the stuff that yeah. worked. Yeah. Um, well, just just on that as well, Luke, Luke Owen says uh, I've revisited a number of episodes over the years, and Man of Steel and Watchmen. So he obviously likes Zack Snyder. Uh, really stand out for me <laughs> due to the passion of the discussion. Joe's hatred for Suicide Squad is also a lot of fun. Avengers films obviously do get quite a few mentions. Um, the the real S Duffy uh, on Twitter says Avengers Assemble, Avengers Endgame, Captain America. Um, Nick Rollins says Spider-Man because of Joe's astonishingly accurate Aunt May impression. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little blast of it, Joe? I can't even remember what I did. Maybe, maybe you can edit. Is it the is it the deliver? Is it the when she's doing? It must the, be deliver us from evil. Deliver right? us from evil. Yeah, I think it was that. Before we talk about Aunt May, who is the worst thing about this movie and is the worst thing in any superhero movie ever. Um, oh, Peter. That's a very accurate portrayal about me. What's in Deliver us from evil. Yeah, that's maybe not the strongest moment in the film. No. <laughs> oh wait, and what's the last one? Those eyes, those yellow eyes. <laughs> 
Um, Miles Burley um, agrees that any time a bad movie is reviewed is thumbs up emoji. Uh, he says Spawn, and he wants to get some more of the terrible Dark Horse adaptations watched. Um, <laughs> we had two people say Generation X. Uh, Tony mm. at Evzy <laughs> Baby said it's so important that people acknowledge the classics. And PJ Woolman says Generation X was the first episode that they listened to and loved the discussion so much that I subscribed straight away. That vindicates um, my decision to force you guys to watch it, uh, uh, which I, I've been trying to do for almost three years when we actually did it. I can't imagine anyone, A, listening to the podcast, because I'm sure someone, someone said that with Man of Steel as well, right? That it was the first episode they listened to, I think. Uh, that was Stephen Jay and enjoyed the vomit story uh, and didn't <laughs> look just, back. They were, they were this, <laughs> if you'd said to me, which two episodes do you think people might have listened to for the first time and never listened again? I would have said Generation X. <laughs> and Man of Steel, maybe, maybe Nick Fury. <laughs> well, uh, Lee Chamberlain uh, says that uh, his favourite episode is the Nick Fury uh, Hasselhoff Nick Fury film. Um, yeah, so Stephen Man of Steel. Um, one that nobody else mentioned, but uh, I liked the comment was uh, Christine uh, Clammy Demona uh, on Twitter says, "I especially enjoyed the episode about Doctor Horrible sing along blog. That discussion went so much deeper than I anticipated and was so interesting to listen to. Yeah, that Plus was it reminded that was me how much one, I enjoyed yeah. the songs. Uh, a bit like Tank Girl. That was a fun one where you thought you thought, well, how much." discussion are we going to actually get out of this and the answer is we pulled a lot out of it so i was pleased with that um and then several people all along similar lines and i think if if if, if there's a closest thing to a recurring theme outside of avengers and cap films uh tom at elbow selbo says i remember laughing a lot during the amazing spider-man one josh slater williams says amazing spider-man 2 john nugent says not sure if it's officially an episode but the amazing spider-man 2 commentary with a bell remains a work of art <laughs> Uh, Royalston Design says the Endgame special was great but I just love hearing you guys rant about Amazing Spider-Man 2 and uh, Limara uh, podcast says James having a breakdown during the Fantastic Four 2015 episode was pretty iconic closely followed by Seb calling Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker a c*** <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so I, was, I think I would it's, say it's almost they... a shame that they never got round to making that third film so that we <laughs> no. couldn't have another one to discuss um, if just if anyone we... said to me, um, like, and this is obviously as someone who doesn't listen to the, po- I listen back when I'm editing, uh, but that's at double speed, uh, so it's probably not, <laughs> it's probably not the most objective view. But I would say if someone, if I was to say to people like, listen to two episodes that give like a good indication of the podcast, I would say the first Spider-Man movie because I think. Um, that we all had kind of like personal connections mm. to that movie, like vivid memories of seeing it for the first time. All of us have a lot of affection for that for that movie and that and that series of movies. Um, and I think a lot of that is in our first Spider-Man episode. And then and the, your Aunt May impression, and apparently my Aunt May impression, which I can't remember doing. Um, and then and then the first Amazing Spider-Man, and I, while both the Amazing Spider-Man movies were very fun to tear to shreds, um, I hadn't realised quite how much I hated the first Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> I, movie. Yeah, I, the same. I, I re-listened I, yeah. to Amazing Spider-Man as well, and yeah, you're you're almost surprised at how you're saying, like, it tries to do four stories and it doesn't land any of them. <laughs> And I, I think, and I, think I also the offense that Spider-Man. you take it, it's incompetence is, and is hate joy and hating that. I mean, it, I've always been slightly different to you guys. I hate Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker from the very first moment we see him in the <laughs> suit, where he gets that guy in the in the parking lot, and the, the, <laughs> yeah, what, that's what, a good argument. We have what you that. guys see as as like 
classic Spidey quipping, I go, fuck this arsehole. Um, but I also remember watch it, what recording that podcast. Uh, when, I, when I was living in Leeds, I was working night shifts for a year um, of the, you know, during the course of which we were recording the podcast. And that was one where we could only record it, I think, on a Sunday morning. And I just got back from work off like a... <laughs> eight or nine hour shift and we were recording at something like half eight in the morning because you guys were both up with your kids and I was slightly delusional um, and took it all out on um, Mark Webb's terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. <laughs> God, I remember when we used to do those Sunday early Sunday morning records. And I, uh, yeah, that was a bad idea. Them. Um, I do just have one more comment to read, by the way, just to end things on, on a slightly more upbeat note than Amazing Spider-Man, which is a comment from John Church, uh, who says, uh, I'd have to say, episode one, I listened to it early February 2015, and it changed my life. I'd only read two or three comics before then. I've now read well over a thousand issues branching out from your recommendations. New episodes have gone straight to the top of my queue ever since and, and for I, that, honestly, I can only say I apologise and resist <laughs> yeah. for what we've done to your life firstly we apologise but secondly you know I, I would not have expected going into this to, to get a comment like that from somebody mm. uh, about the podcast so it's really nice to know that what we've tried to do for Joe over the course of this podcast um, has done for other people as well and will hopefully continue to do because um, we will keep and, recommending comics, and I will say directly to Joe. While I don't have the time anymore to like read the recommendations on a week, it was mostly the week turnaround on trying to read two comics was, <laughs> and then and then like form cogent enough thoughts to talk about them on a podcast. Also, we was, were having to, with with certain properties, we were having to start scraping barrels. Yeah, I I I I will say the most intimidated I ever felt recording this podcast was one of the first minisodes where I think I, it was after. It must maybe it was after Watchmen where where like I I sat down and read The Killing Joke and something else and I felt so intimidated trying to talk about The Killing <laughs> Joke and I think if you guys if anyone went back and listens to that episode you'll hear me like apologizing for my opinions before I give them uh, because I was like this is a world that I do not understand and do not trust the authority of my opinions in but the remit here is I'm sharing them anyway. So I did. Um, <laughs> and I will also throw a question out to you guys um, just because I think it's fun and I, I don't think people will seek these episodes out. What do you think the worst episodes we've ever done are? Because I think Planet Hulk, Sky High and Blade. <laughs> there are three worst. Ooh, I mean, Sky High, I think, yeah. We just I didn't have anything entirely engaged with that movie. Just I remember dragging say about it. Yeah, dragging. I, 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 I wish I'd known the film time. better beforehand because I think I thought it was going to turn out to be more interesting to talk about than it was. We should have uh, double Planet build Hulk it as with well. Something. Definitely, like there was it's just not our area, movie. is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Mask of the Phantasm might be one that. Oh, I liked that. <laughs> I think that might be one people don't like because I think we were pretty harsh about that movie. We were harsh compared about to compared to how people love. affection, yeah. how much affection people have for it. I didn't see it at all. I like it. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I still think people think that film is that deeper than it is. <laughs> I will say, I think, I think so, some of the joy of these hundred episodes are um, we we sometimes all agree on a movie we sometimes all disagree and sometimes there's a lone voice of dissent and you can never quite guess who that person's gonna be <laughs> it's usually me right <laughs> i feel like it's me 
it's 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 you maybe when you're the one person being negative about a movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, my my favorite yeah. podcast yeah, lately. <laughs> my favorite lately was Dark Phoenix because I came out of that movie so angry and it felt really good just to lay out all the reasons that I felt <laughs> it was unsuccessful in what it was trying to do. Mm. It's very cathartic. I also I think yeah I agree with the listeners. The Infinity War and Endgame episodes were a lot of fun. I think particularly because people have come back to us since the Infinity War episode and went, guys, you've got a lot of stuff right. And I don't think a lot of t- a lot of the time, and uh, this I think this happens when I listen to other podcasts. Our listeners remember the conversations better than I do. You know? <laughs> yeah. So when, when the the other week when people were like, oh Joe, you predicted that I can't remember what the thing I predicted was. Oh Joe, it you was, predicted um, that thing right. It was it was Talos in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember saying that. And we were getting comments on Twitter with people saying, oh, it was really funny when you did that thing. I don't remember that happening. And I and I think that happens to other podcasts as well. That like I, you know, the podcast you listen to, you end up knowing mm. a lot inside out, a lot more than the people actually recording them. But yeah, a lot of people kind of came back around the time of Endgame and went, "Guys, your Infinity War episode," because I re-listened to it before watching Endgame, and you guys got a lot of stuff right. Which <laughs> that was that that was nice, and I, and I and I do remember that being a particularly fun, like just nerd vomit kind of chat. Not like the Man of Steel episode that was just no a different kind. kind of chat. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to embarrass you as well, Joe, by putting you on the spot to say, Ooh. "Have you listened to the Matrix episode yet?" Because that's not yet, the first but... episode not to be hosted by you, and that was no, a really good but, one, I think. But I've not. Uh, I, I will be doing, and any any time I've missed a minisode or a bonus episode in the past, or or the Patreon episodes, I think the only thing I haven't listened to is James's Bell Amazing Spider-Man Two thing. <laughs> uh, but like I've I've listened. The highlights to you. are enough for that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think I can imagine what, what's going on there. Yeah, if you want to hear that, it's still on the Patreon. Yeah. Do I have what to subscribe two, to the Patreon now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll have to. Yeah, I've got a baby coming. I can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need as much podcast yeah. content as you can get your hands on. I promise you that much for babies. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so for that reason, I will be listening to the Matrix episode and will be listening to uh, any future episodes that I don't that I'm not on either because I think I've heard it's a pretty good podcast, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have a movie to talk about this week. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, I think it's time. It's time for my next bit. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, bit two from James coming up. Yeah. So again, we're going to test your knowledge of of characters. I'm going to make it a little bit easier for you this time. Well, six out of seven, James. Sorry, six out of six. Yeah. <laughs> well, in that case, you should ace this game. Uh, sure. It's one for both of you again. No. Nope. So, Seb, I hope you're prepared for this. Um, this is a game that I like to call. No I in team. Right. <laughs> so what I want from you guys, with as little preparation as possible, I want ideally no hesitation or repetition. Back and forth, you have to name MCU characters who don't have an I in their name. Is that Peggy clear? Carter. Okay. Peggy Joe, Carter. you start. Peggy Carter. <laughs> Four. The uh, Hulk. <laughs> Does does Incredible not count for the Hulk? Well, I don't know. I was thinking Darcy. No, it Willis doesn't. Uh, Doctor Strange. Um, uh, Thanos. Rocket Raccoon. Ebony Moore. Drax. Falcon. Gamora. <laughs> Nebula. Groot. 
Uh, oh, ego. Uh, I'm giving. Um, Yondu. I got ego. <laughs> okay, Seb had Yondu. Uh, okay, I'm giving yeah. a point to Seb here. <laughs> okay, it's very hard. One to, point to Seb. It's very hard to think on the because as well, I was I kept going like between real names and su- and their superhero yeah. alter egos, thinking, <laughs> can I get one of them in? <laughs> what was weird was I rattled through the Avengers and realised how many of them had eyes, and then all of a sudden with yeah. Guardians, it was like, oh, none of them do. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I got stuck on Peter Quill. I should have yeah, said Star Lord. Should have said Star Lord. Yeah, yeah. And we're doing first to three. So okay. Is it st- we still do an MCU? Yep. Oh, shit. Okay, Star-Lord. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to jump to a different universe. <laughs> uh, oh, what was his name? I forgot. Oh, no, uh, I think I've lost this already. To Seb. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of okay. Jude Law's character. Does he have an eye in his name? <laughs> Yon Rog. No, Yon Rog. Yon Rog, no, he doesn't. But it's I could have Yon Rog. Right, wait. Let Give me a second to empty my mind. Do you know what? I, I don't. I don't think I'm going to win a point at this. Let's 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 keep going. Uh, we can switch to the uh, to the DCEU if you want. <laughs> Probably not going to go much better. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the X Men as well, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I should force another X Men question on you. Okay, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, <laughs> Lex Luthor. Um. Ooh, I can't even remember anymore. Deadshot. <laughs> Deadshot. <laughs> the Flash. Um, the, 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 the lady that Viola Davis plays. <laughs> so there aren't as many captains in, in the DCEU, and that's, yeah, that's that was tricky. That was really <laughs> tripping, tripping me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid Seb's got three points now, so... Yeah. If we'd have gone back to the MCU, I could be my, on a radio my next guest was going to be um, yep. Baba Yaga. <laughs> Ant-Man! Uh, Ant-Man, it's, it's oh, way too late for this, Joe. I'm flying now. It's Literally. way too late. I still had General Ross in reserve. Yeah, so you won you the first game, Seb won the second game, and that's good, because it means we'll have a tie-break third game Ooh, at the end. Can't wait. Okay, well, that seems like the perfect time, then, to listen to the trailer for Teen Titans. Go to the movies, and we'll be back with our spoiler-filled discussion of the movie after that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coming this summer. They're finally going to make a movie about me! The story of Batman's greatest ally. That's me! That must be me! And best friend in the whole world. Finally! Alfred, the movie. It's time to clean up this city. That actually does look pretty good. I can see it. Just a young gun with a quick view. They're really making movies about every superhero. Has there been a movie about you? There was a Green Lantern movie, but we don't we don't talk about that. It's time they make one about me. I'm afraid it's no. I only make movies about real superheroes. <laughs> Why don't they take us seriously? Titans, you guys are never actually doing anything heroic. What time we discovered that sweet diner and they had that food that wasn't even a crime and you didn't save anything we save room for design having a movie is the only way to be seen as a real hero what about an arch nemesis stop right there deadpool deadpool what Why does everybody think I'm Deadpool? I thought Deadpool was a good guy. By the way, he should be saying that he's not me. Okay, because I came out, like, way before he did. Nah, I'm pretty sure you're Deadpool. I am Slade. If we can make him our arch nemesis, then they will see that we're worthy of a movie. I'm not interested in fighting a bunch of sidekicks and a half a robot. Oh man, I'm never letting you fly my body again. Under my control! Ooh. Destroy them! How big is your army? A hundred thousand. Halt! For the mighty <laughs> Watch me! Watch me! Watch me! Do this! It's always been more than a music. You got it weights on the back of my cruiser. Look, watch me! Watch me! Watch me! We're taking you down! How are you gonna do it? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna fart on me? You wanna have a dance-off? You're gonna annoy me to death with your waffles? Titans go to the movies because if Aquaman can get a movie, anyone can. Okay, guys, we're about to talk Teen Titans Go to the movies, but I think someone else is going to talk about it first. 
Yes, uh, I'm going to present the uh, debut podcast appearance following in the footsteps of Emmy Hunt back when we did the Lego Batman movie. Uh, I have the thoughts on this movie of uh, Lois Patrick, aged four and uh, third. Sorry, I just had to work that out. Aged aged less than this podcast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Lois, what movie did we just watch? Teen Titans Go. And did you enjoy it? Yes. What was your favourite bit? That Robin had a film. And who's your favourite out of the Teen Titans? The one with the pink hair. Can you remember her name? <laughs> I told you her name a few times. <laughs> it's... Star... Star... Girl... No, <laughs> you're doing this deliberately. It's star, starfire. Why do you like her? Because she's got pink hair and green eyes. Can you remember what Superman's girlfriend was called? Who was on the phone? Lois. Yeah, that's your name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and when they go to the studio, what do they see? The Animaniacs' house. Nice. Can you sing Robin's song? My movie, my movie, my superhero movie. It's all about me, it's all about me. My movie, my movie, my superhero movie. It's all about me, it's all about me. Would you watch (laughs) the Teen Titans film again? Yes. You enjoyed it? Yes. Do you think Daddy enjoyed it? Yes. (laughs) You say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not too, not too different from what I was expecting James' thoughts on the movie would be. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the bit where they said his name. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> oh, it was very sweet. And she, I mean, Seb, did you, you weren't tempted to start telling her about Stargirl. No, <laughs> that did that did make me laugh. <laughs> if she just said "Star Man" straight away afterwards, <laughs> we would have known you've been indoctrinating her. <laughs> um, what what I like as well is that she um, randomly the other night um, started to say something to me because we we I, I I played her. We always at her bedtime we always play her a song off her Spotify playlist of stuff that she likes, and my superhero movie has made it onto the playlist. Um, and so we played that. And then she said to me, and it took me a minute to figure out what she meant, she said, um, Daddy, Beast Boy made a silly version where he was he worked in the circus as a baby, but you can't work in the circus as a baby. And <laughs> it took me a little while to realise she was actually... Because she hadn't mentioned that bit of the film previously, but it was obviously a bit of the film that she'd remembered. So, um, <laughs> yeah, she very much enjoyed it. I do think her favourite bit was the Animaniacs reference. Uh, probably my favourite bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were. This is one of the things. I mean, just just as, as we get into it now, like the, obviously the thing about this film, and we'll we'll talk about it a lot, is that it's so full of reference jokes. I didn't expect it to contain two reference jokes that my four year old would get. One of which was the Animaniacs, and the other one was where in the rap when Beast Boy says that he can turn into any animal and turns into Animal from the Muppets. Yeah, she got that yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know lovely. why you're making your like four year old watch Animaniacs, which was a cartoon that at best was aimed at like adults in the um, 90s just just the songs from it at the moment the, the she she knows the lyrics to the theme tune and she likes the countries of the world song so <laughs> i always like the pink I, um, in the brain brain song 
she loves she loves the pinky and the yes. brain theme tune as well so yeah um i uh when laura and i on our honeymoon went to warner brothers studios i did point at the tower and say that's where the animaniacs <laughs> I've, I've got a picture of it that i took in la and i showed it to lois but look look daddy's been there but now she's asking me when she can go to the animaniacs house <laughs> you shot yourself in the foot with that <laughs> i really have <laughs> the, everyone must have had this moment so like i watched the animaniacs as a kid and absolutely loved it and the moment when i was slightly older when i figured out that Wacko and Yakko with the Warner Brothers and the dot was the dot after the WB on the logo. <laughs> it was just a wonderful revelation. The I mean, even even the lyrics to that theme song are they're, they're layered <laughs> with, with in jokes and Hollywood references. Um, hey, what a great! Should we talk about Animaniacs? <laughs> well, actually, I mean. I, it's it's kind of I do think it's, it's kind of relevant, even though it is like a one off reference yeah. in this, which is you know this film is you know it's a it embraces being not only a DC film but being a Warner Brothers film, and it is it just it so much has the spirit of what I think Warner Brothers is at its best, which is anarchic kind of silliness that mm-hmm. pokes fun at itself but still has something really strong at its core in terms of, you know, it has a character and story at the same time as having that level of meta self-awareness. And, you know, the fact that this this brings in references to other Warner's stuff as well as other stuff from outside of it as well, um, you know, it's just one of the many things that makes this so enjoyable. So I wanted to ask you guys about teen titans go and your relationship with it seb i'm sure you you know the teen titans pretty well but Mm. teen titans go which was a show that i'd heard about for a while like probably around the time we were starting this podcast and like that it was really popular with kids and um i i think i tried to watch a bit of it on amazon prime around the same time i think maybe just after i'd finished batman the animated series on there i like (laughs) queued up a few episodes and i got like four or five in and i was like this is cute and it's fun and I can imagine that this would be amazing to watch like with my son or daughter but it's probably a bit too young and a bit too silly just to watch on my own. Mm. What about you guys? Have the, you, have you the watched The latest seasons, yeah, I've watched probably all 200 episodes multiple times because Emmy loves it. <laughs> um, I think actually the later seasons get a bit deeper. Like the early stuff, yeah, I agree. It's quite quite shallow and just sort of wacky. Once they've built up the characters and the injects a bit, it gets really enjoyable. And the 200th episode especially is like, mostly episodes are 20 minutes divided into two stories. Yes. And the 200th episode is four parts. So it's two full episodes and one 40-minute story where the Titans go and meet their animators and voice actors. And it is a work of genius. Duck amok, Animal Man style. Yep craziness yeah wonderful um so, seb you've not watched teen titans go is that right no i haven't i mean actually even before this I, I wasn't fully aware kind of of the lineage of teen titans into this and I, I didn't actually realize that this is essentially i didn't realize that it's you know it's exactly the same voice cast voicing the same characters yeah um, it's I mean, funny I, I, because I, people were sort of a bit salty when this came out because they were like oh there was that teen Titans show we loved and they've just Instead yeah, of bringing it I've, back, they've done this like kiddie version. 
I've read an article that really tears into Teen Titans Go for basically, and it's obviously by someone who must have grown up watching it in the early 2000s and absolutely loving it. Um, obviously, that 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 era, that kind of Teen Titans Young Justice era, is a bit later than us, so we don't have that kind of same attachment. That, but a lot of people um, really do. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I wasn't aware that Teen Titans Go was essentially almost a remake, but a remake done as a silly kids cartoon that isn't even yeah. about them being superheroes, but is about their non superheroes. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly life. about them was lounging it, around. Um, was it even more? Was it even more that it was almost like the one show was cancelled and the other one was announced? Kind mm-hmm. of like I believe. Spider-Man, it, I believe it actually Spider Man Four to Amazing Justice, um, right? So, but yes, so for that reason, people were angry that Young Justice's slot had gone, and they were making this instead. Um, and that's the and that's the team that show up in the post credit sequence of this movie. Yeah, and in fact, the follow up movie is out this month. Probably, but m- not- might even be out by the time of the podcast. It's not in cinemas; it's straight to DVD no. thing. Yeah, where yeah. the Titans meet Teen Titans go. Yeah, yeah. And this and the the events of this movie like play into a recent season of Teen Titans Go as well, right? I th- yeah, I think they happen between season four and five, possibly. Right, okay, yeah. Um, so, the question I had was, is the TV show pitched exactly at this level, or is this is this doing something slightly different, knowing it's got probably a slightly older audience coming to it in cinemas? Uh, the only thing this does different is that it it's a bit less heavy on the in jokes. Like there are some cameos from sort of characters and uh, well, you know, <laughs> villain circumstances. I don't know. There are some references and stuff to Teen Titans that you would only get if you've seen the TV show. Yeah. But also the sort of density of in jokes is is not anywhere near the way mm. it is in the TV show. But and am I right in thinking? Do all of the other superheroes turn up in Teen Titans Go, or are they? I'm assuming that Nicolas Cage doesn't voice Superman. Each yeah, week. no, a lot of the. Um, I think one of the jokes is that the adult superheroes don't really talk; they just turn up and they're sort of mute. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like adults in Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, similar to that. So, like Batman, so Batman and Commissioner Gordon are in it quite a lot, but they they never talk. And Batman doesn't really talk in this, does he? No, it's weird. He's 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 Jimmy Kimmel, and like I, I barely remember him having a line. No, but yeah, I think that I, was I, to try I, I and want, keep it consistent. Yeah, and I wonder whether that's a joke. Maybe you hear him like in the background in um, in in one of his movies or something. Mm. I don't know, but I I didn't notice Batman speaking. Maybe they cast Jimmy Kimmel and didn't give him a line, and well, that's the gag. The, it's it's Batman when they're having the Batman Superman fight. That's probably oh, of course, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so only when he's in character. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, that's fun. Um, okay, so it's so this is fairly consistent with what Teen Titans Go does. James, do you do you think this is better than the TV show or on the same level? <laughs> it's funny because I like I hadn't really watched the TV show when we went to see the movie. Basically, what had happened was. I saw it was coming out. I thought, oh, that'd be fun for us to go and see. I'll see if Emmy likes Teen Titans Go. Stuck her in front of it like two days before and she ate it up. But I didn't really get to know this show until after. Yeah. Um, so I the first time I saw I'm the movie... I'm very familiar with the show yeah, from now on. <laughs> the first time I saw the movie, I loved it. When I went back to it now to rewatch it for the podcast, I was like, this is good, but the TV show is, is a lot tighter and a lot funnier. 
okay. when you're recording episode 200, Seb, you'll be looking back and out. Do you remember that time where I'd never seen Teen Titans Go? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen nothing but it since. <laughs> I was kind of I was sad that Painbot wasn't in this because Painbot is my favorite character in the TV show. <laughs> he's ba- he's a robot that is designed to inflict pain on people, but they keep him as a pet. Cyborg keeps okay. him as a pet is amazing. Um, let's talk about the movie, and let's. I I, I imagine this is probably going to be a parade of us talking about our <laughs> favorite favorite <laughs> references and in jokes. Um, but it it starts off with a a fake like. Like a Marvel Studios comic book opening. That, well, that's out, that's out of date now, I guess. But that was the moment where I was like, "Oh, okay, this is going to be better than I thought," because knowing like the deliberate parody of the Marvel opening on a DC film <laughs> made me go, yeah. "Okay, interesting." And what's what's the gag that a seagull is reading a DC comic? Is that the? There's a sight gag with a seagull slat or it, a different it's animal. Pa- it's panels on a rock of... every time. I was going to say, and it's, and it's like the panels are like proper original New Teen Titans panels. From yeah, the but every episode stuff. of the TV show, when they show the exterior shot of Titans Tower, there's a seagull right. or something sitting on that rock doing something funny. That's, it's like, it's like see, a that's, gag. That's what, I, that's what I thought when I saw the seagull. I was like, I bet this is a joke that I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand <laughs> it the first time, but I understood it when I rewatched it this time. <laughs> So things kick off in in Jump City. Is Jump City? I'm going to ask loads of questions. Is Jump City, a, a an established DC city, or is this a Seb. Teen Titans Go creation? I, I'd never heard of it before this, so I assume it was created for the TV show. Okay, so we're in Jump City, where crime is much less than in Gotham, as the, as the sign says. Um, and uh, but unfortunately, not today, because there is an attack by Balloon Man, um, who. I don't think it's the same balloon man that I previously experienced in episode two of Gotham. What was that episode two? It was a very early episode of Gotham and I mm-hmm. checked out. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a balloon man is like a giant balloon, kind of, <laughs> who ma- marches down the streets of, of Jump City like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And and this voiced by Greg Davis. Which Greg is Davis, yeah. Bizarre. But do you know who he, who he was originally meant to be voiced by? No. It was originally going to be James Corden, so good job <laughs> that it wasn't, because I might have turned off the film at that point. But as it is, we've hey, got uh, Craig Davis, who is great, and it's just bizarre hearing his voice in this film. But... A, a reference to another podcast on uh, Richard Herring's Less Square Theatre podcast, when Greg Davis was on there the last time, that's the obscure credit that he introduced him with. He was oh, like, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, he played Balloon Man in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, and I was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I bet by now Richard Herring is going to have seen this film, or if not, he's going to see it very soon. <laughs> yeah, and then he'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so Balloon Man is attacking the city, um, and the Teen Titans turn up to save him, uh, to, to, to fight him. Um, so yeah, as you said, all voiced by their TV voice cast, who are not like big names, but the movie makes I mean, up for they're that. They're big names elsewhere. in the voice cast. I was going to say Ta- Tara Strong is one of the biggest yeah. names in animation. Full stop. Um, she's Harley Quinn, isn't that's... she? Yeah, and Twilight Sparkle. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not a big name, guys. Come she, on, no, in the she... cartoon world, she's huge. <laughs> Great. If you, if you've heard of literally anything about American animation in the last twenty years, 
you've heard of Tara Strong. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to keep up. I'm going to keep up my record on this podcast of disrespecting voice actors. <laughs> I don't care. Oh man, we, thinking... did, we didn't even cover Kevin Conroy in the news section. Oh. Save what it for a minisode. We'll do it later. Kevin Conroy's playing um, an older live-action Bruce Wayne in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, feels like a bad idea. Don't cast Bruce Wayne. No, it doesn't rolls. They're not. They're not. They're not up to it. Uh, I'm just going to do anything I can to do down voice actors. Um, I mean, big in the cartoon world. I'm big in the sitting in my living room wearing my pants and drinking beer world. It's all. Re- it's all relative. I think you overestimate your stature in that world. To be honest, <laughs> no, I am big in it. Honestly, um, you're going to be a lot uh, bigger so- in a couple of months as well. Once you've had a kid. <laughs> Ah, uh, don't remind me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the Teen, the teen Titans uh, fight the Balloon Man, and uh, I imagine, uh, well, I imagine this is an addition for the movie, but I don't know that there are big musical numbers here. Or is that a feature of the show as well, James? Uh, there are songs in the TV show, but yeah, it's a, this is a more musical version of things. I could tell that from the fact that on Robin's song, he has a different voice for singing. Yeah, exactly. And if it was a regular feature of the show, they'd have cast someone who could sing to voice him. (laughs) How many... So we've got the Teen Titans Go rap at the start of the movie. We've got the the Lois's favourite song, which was the My Movie Robin song. Cause it's my movie, my movie, my superhero movie. It's all about me, yeah, it's all about me. It's my movie, my movie, my superhero movie. They'll be lining up to see a movie all about me. No longer a sidekick, no, that's not me. Picture my booty up in 3D. I'll shake my booty in my own movie. It's my movie, my movie, my superhero movie. They'll be lining up to see a movie all about me. I have the most impressive, cool and scary, big, mean, hairy adversary. But not to worry. There, what, there's one other, isn't there? A beat one inspirational song one. about life. Yeah. Yes. The inspiration, which is sung by Michael, Michael Bolton, Bolton as a tiger. Yes. As, as a tiger. <laughs> I will say, and I will say, that the Michael Bolton connection helps me join the dots, but the Teen Titans rap at the start of the movie feels very Lonely Island to me. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it has it has a Lonely Island vibe, and it has a... It's like, like, the verses of everything is awesome, is what I'm thinking. Like, taking that, taking that shtick and making it less... Uh, more, more child friendly is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I love that. We're gonna, I listen to it we're gonna, still now. We're going to argue right about what's the best song in this movie. I mean, they're all good. 
they're all good. But you but you picked the wrong one to nominate in the awards last year because we had Teen Titans Go rap in yeah, there and it should have been one. my superhero movie because that's the best song. No, no. I think Teen Titans... I just... I, you know when the, when you get to the end and they, they reprise it yeah. and, and I'm going... God, I didn't know how much I needed them to bring that song back until they did. And actually, it's quite emotional. <laughs> it really is. Because yeah. they're they're self-actualizing through song. <laughs> it's I, wonderful. I think with my superhero movie, it's one where if I just heard it on its own, I would quite like it because it's very catchy and I, I like the sound of it. But why I like it so much is because of what it accompanies in the film. Um, yeah, that, that sequence, that is sequence and like all of the titles. I only realised after yeah. watching it for about the sixth time um, that one of them is doing Guardians of the Galaxy, um, <laughs> and you know all the different kind oh, of really? logo style. Yeah, it's the one that's yeah. Robin in space because it says like version six or something. It's obviously meant to be the volume two on Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's got like an eighties look yeah. to it. They happen quite fast. Um, yeah. no, I, I've I, gone I, through I'm... and paused them to look at all the cover homages and stuff because he does like action comics one and amazing Spy, amazing fantasy yeah. fifteen and and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that that's the I think that's the most comicsy point of the film, and that's probably why I had latched onto it so much. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it, this this I think that's definitely the most fun in terms of the staging. I think you I think you're definitely right. But I, the Teen Titans Go rap. Really <laughs> My favorite part of that initial rap is when it cuts away to Balloon Man's perspective, and he's just watching them, and they're like dancing <laughs> oh, on the rooftop. That's great. And he's just like, well, and does, who are and, these jokers? <laughs> And does it real fast as well? It's like yeah. literally they're through, they're through the first chorus, and then Balloon Man's like idiots, and then just carries <laughs> carries on with his nonsense, and then we get this this lovely like cutting back and forth. The Justice League turn up and fight Balloon Man <laughs> while they are in the background, in in the background doing their nonsense. Mm. Um, but this but the song is super fun. I also love that it sets its stall out really early of. This is going to be goofy and silly. There's going to be comic book nerdy stuff for you. But also, we can spend 15 seconds lingering on the same fart gag. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not farting. There's just air coming out of my butt. Dude, there's air coming out of your butt. That's a fart. Um, and I think it does a quite a good job. Well, I mean, the song does the job for you, right? Of introducing all of the Teen Titans. Yep. Um, so we've got, and uh, this is uh, honestly, this is going to be a little bit of a test for me to remember, even having seen the movie twice. We've got Robin, who's the the leader of the gang. We've got Beast Boy. We've got Cyborg. We've got Star. Um, let's call her Star Girl for just <laughs> sol- solidarity with Lois. Um, and then uh, Raven. Yep. That's everyone, right? Yeah. I've not missed anyone. Yeah. Um, so, uh, comic book wise, I-, I know Cyborg has been kind of like thrown around between different teams, right? But is this <laughs> well, a- he got promoted to the Justice League, right? Because they went, uh, the Justice League's a bit too white. <laughs> yeah. So let's and now- you know, promote this other popular black character into the Justice League. And now it's kind of similar with. Uh, the lineup in this movie that John Stewart is the Green as, as, yeah. yeah, as traditionally a part of the Justice League as Cyborg is, because mm-hmm. everyone was a little bit surprised even that Cyborg made it into the 
the Justice League, the Snyder Justice League lineup. Yeah, well, I think that's because once they decided they weren't going to do Green Lantern, you know, yeah, it sort of made sense for them to take this character and, and use him there. Yeah. So, yeah, so in, in the comics, is this an established team, the Teen Titans? What's the difference between the Titans and the Teen Titans? And because right. there's a, t- oh, like there's a Titan like team. This. We know what the Titans do. This, a, shall we? I don't know if you know. There's a Titans team which is on DC Universe. Yes. And there's different people in that team. Okay. But some of them are the same. Right. So I mean, it would be fun to let James have a go. But I'm, <laughs> should we let James have a go? The thing is, I'm really into the Teen Titans. We've never really had a chance to talk about Wolfman and Perez's new Teen Titans. I mean, before. the the easy thing to say, right, is just that. The the Titans, as you know them, Joe, is just the Teen Titans rebranded to be a bit less sort of hokey. Well, kind of, but also to, to differentiate them from the fact... So, okay, right. So, the original <laughs> Teen Titans were, in the 60s, it was, here are the kids' sidekicks forming their own team. So, it was uh, Robin, uh, Wonder Girl, and... Uh, Aqualad? Aqualad was in there... Um, and Kid Flash. No, so, yeah, so it was originally Kid Flash, Robin, and Aqualad, it's and then Kid they Flash added Wally. Wonder Girl. Yeah, Wally West, Kid Flash. So it. I was... mean, that sounds that sounds awful. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> Is it? They were interesting, actually. The the sixties Teen Titans stuff. Um, there was some because they were very sort of. They did try to sort of. Um, <laughs> it was. It was being written by an old man trying to write like teen slang, and sort of it kind of came off probably a little bit like kind of an Archie comic, but sort of very sort of hey yo Hepcats kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so basically, point, the opposite of Stanley. Yeah, it it was very, <laughs> it was very how do you do fellow kids kind of thing. But as time went on, it did become more interesting. You know, they kind of started to bring in more characters, but and it basically became the place where any you know, teen-aged superhero character, whether a sidekick or whether a character in their own right, would probably turn up in the Teen Titans. At so some it point. was, and then it was, it was Mark Wade's champions. Yeah, if you like. <laughs> uh, then in the 1980s, uh, basically the X Men had happened, or specifically the relaunched X Men had happened, and DC basically Chris Claremont's X Men. Yeah, DC looked yeah. at Chris Claremont's X Men and said, "We want a piece of that." So they had writer Marv Wolfman and artist George Perez launch a series that was called The New Teen Titans. Um, and that lineup was uh, Robin, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, Raven, Starfire, uh, Beast Boy slash Changeling, he was called at the time, and Cyborg. So some of them were created newly for that series. Um, you obviously right. had, you had the ones who were previously Teen Titans. I think all of Raven, Starfire, and Cyborg were created for it. And Beast Boy was an old Doom Patrol character who had <laughs> been in the Teen Titans for a bit in the seventies. So they got put together as a as the new Teen Titans. And that series is one of DC's absolute best comics of the nineteen eighties. Yeah, that series it is so good. Brilliant. Even I like it. Exactly, it's as James good likes as a Marvel it because series. It's like the X Men. Um, <laughs> it's got so much packed into it because it's drawn by George Perez. So you get about thirty pages worth of story in like a nine-panel page. Um, it's what introduced uh, Deathstroke. He he was introduced as that. That's why he's in this movie because he is more than anything he's a Titans villain, and he was created. Why is he for not that series? 
Why is he not called Deathstroke in this movie? Because they didn't want to call a character in a kid's cartoon Deathstroke. That's Jim Ryan. Actually, his his original reason was Deathstroke the Terminator. And he first appeared before the Terminator movie, and then they stopped calling him the Terminator after the Terminator movie. (laughs) So that series ran and ran throughout the 80s and 90s. Eventually, Wolfman and Perez left, but and you know, various things changed. What's the what's the what's the shtick? Like, so they're they're teen superheroes. Like I know what brings the X Men together, they're mutants and they're outcasts. So with they, the new Teen Titans, it was basically a bit like they were they were teen superheroes who was who were on the verge of growing up, striking out right. on their own. The new Teen Titans is basically about that group of characters finding themselves, coming together as a team. It's your classic family is the people who you find sort of narrative. Um over the course of the run is when Dick Gray like Dick Grayson became Nightwing in the pages of Teen Titans. It was his sort of I'm growing up, I'm not Robin anymore, I'm Nightwing. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna or... wear a disco inspired suit with a giant collar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that ran for years and years. Um but obviously got to the nineties and it had kind of various lineup changes. And I think I think the book was probably still I think the book became called the New Titans rather than the New Teen Titans because they weren't teenagers anymore. Then in the early 2000s, I think it was, you had um, a, basically a brand new Teen Titans series that picked up the then current DC teenage character. So you had Tim Drake's Robin, you had Bart right. Allen's Kid Flash, you had Cassie Sandmark's Wonder Girl, and you had Connell Superboy. So they're the team who became Young Justice in the cartoon. Uh, oh no, sorry, no, they had been Young Justice. I think they came out of the ashes of Young Justice. There was basically a whole Yeah. And there became, was, yeah. So they became the Teen Titans in the early two thousands. So if the I meantime, just jump in there, Seb, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess because what normally happens when you're telling me about DC history is like this thing that happened, this thing happened, this thing happened in the early two thousands. And then in the mid to late two thousands, everything got silly and it's pointless even explaining to you after that. A little bit. But yeah. So yeah. But, but but what what I'm explaining to you here really is the reason for there being just a brand that is just Titans. And in the late 2000s, uh, DC launched a series called Titans that was the sum of the original Teen Titans lineup forming a new team again. So you had the Teen Titans who were, we are the people who are currently the Teen Titans, and you had the Titans who are, we are the people who used to be the Teen Titans. Um, James might vaguely remember that that Titan series that was written by Judd Winnick, um, I reviewed some of it back on our Comics Daily blog. I remember it because I'm I'm pretty sure I read some of it. I think you read some of it at the time. I know which is was it the new fifty two one where um, Starfire was going around like being like oh, I'm just a girl just you know I'm gonna wear a bikini you can have sex with me or whatever that that was Titans yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was quite bad uh, and then they did they did that with her more in the new fifty two as well but it's it started with Titans in the aftermath of. Um, uh, the thing after 52. No, it was 52. It was when she was off in space with Animal Man in 52. Anyway, so that's why you've got the Teen Titans and Titans. So over the years, there have been some good Teen Titans comics, and there are people who really like the early 2000s stuff, which I think Jeff Johns did a big chunk of. But really what we're talking about, and the classic Teen Titans lineup is basically the lineup that you see in this film, with the exception of, of Kid Flash and Wonder Girl, and it's the Marv Wolfman and George Perez new Teen Titans lineup, and I, and you know we've got to episode 100 before me finally recommending it, but I honestly say it now as a, even though we haven't got into fully talking about the film yet, as a massive recommendation that early part of the Wolfman and Perez stuff, up to and through an amazing storyline called the Judas Contract, which happens mm. around about 40 odd issues in. 
it's just great. It's just such good comics. Um, basically, because they ripped off the X Men, they did exactly what Claremont's X Men was. They did soap opery plot lines, character driven stuff with big concepts bolted on top. And it just really, really worked. As rip offs go, it was a very successful rip off. They even had the crossover that was uh, Teen Titans New, X- uh, New Teen Titans X Men. They did where, do a crossover. Um, the teams fight Dark yeah. Phoenix. I think there might have come a point where it even outsold X-Men for a little while. It was that. It was really popular. Um, so the DC Titan show that's currently on, that has all of this Teen Titans Go team yeah. involved apart from Cyborg, who was included in the Doom Patrol series instead. Yeah. Yep. And Cyborg also has a history with Doom Patrol in the comics, does he? No, actually. As I say, the the, the, okay. the one who does is is Changeling slash Beast Boy. He was a member of the original so, Doom Patrol. Yeah, because uh, so I, I wonder whether they it's kept just... him out of Titans because of the fact that he was in Justice League. But then they put him in. But then they put him in Doom Patrol yeah. instead. So it's <laughs> but weird. maybe maybe they were just trying to distance the idea of. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the Titans so... show has got Hawk and Dove, who were in the Teen Titans in the seventies, but I don't think they've been in it since then. But yeah. Yeah, did you? How how far did you get with that in the end, Seb? I I kind of bailed. It was a bit too. I I've I've not I've not watched much of it, but I'm I've seen the trailer for season two, and they're not only are they introducing Superboy, but it looks like they're introducing Wonder Girl as well, and the villain is going to be Deathstroke. So uh, I'll give season two a look. I think. Well, if that's the case, you should watch season two of Arrow. <laughs> with Man- Manu Bennett playing Deathstroke. It well, it's funny how good. we've already had quite a lot of versions of Deathstroke, but I'm going to I'm going to plant my flag in the ground and say that this movie has the best version of Deathstroke that we've had on screen. <laughs> my so favorite version of Deathstroke is the one from Matt Reeves's test footage. <laughs> <laughs> what the the post-credit scene on Oh, wh- what was that on? It wasn't uh, on anything, Batman was v. it? Superman. Was that actually the, on the, it? It was the post-credit scene of Batman v Superman. Is 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 um, um okay. uh, What's his name? Joe. Joe. Joe, Joe Mancinello. Yeah. Okay. Randomly on a boat. Randomly on a boat with Lex Luthor. So that's that's Batman v Superman. It's that's not Batman Justice v Superman. League. It's not Justice League. Oh no! Wait. <laughs> no, maybe it is Justice League. No, yeah, because obviously, because Superman's dead at the end. Of, no, it is. It's Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. No, wait. Is it? Oh. <laughs> there was definitely some footage of the guy in character as well that wasn't on a movie it was just some test footage that they released maybe yeah i will say like genuinely manu bennett's really good on season two of arrow <laughs> it is just a season league because he says a league of our own it is just a right league. Yeah. yes yes that's right see season two of arrow was like the from when i was watching it anyway was the peak of that show uh it was the it, and like he was he was the villain in modern day stars or starling city or whatever they called it on the show um, and but in the flashbacks on the island, it was the only time that Arrow managed to make the flashbacks compelling <laughs> because he was in them. Um, yeah, and I think he's come back since then. He's 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 good. Um, he's so no, yeah, he's, he's no Will this... on it though, is he? <laughs> <laughs> right. The first time I watched this, I thought that's just distracting. This Will on it as, <laughs> as the yeah. villain. It because is a bit, isn't it? Will on it is. He's Batman. Uh, like, Will, Will Arnett is a lot of things, but in animated form, he's <laughs> Bojack primarily, and then he has kind of done this like definitive version of animated Batman. Like 
come at me, Kevin Conroy. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang he's, on, Joe. He's, you don't like voice actors, and Will Arnett is a very respected voice actor. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's but he's he's crucially also good in live action. I've got no respect for these people that I haven't seen actually act in person, <laughs> which doesn't really chime with my. Uh, I I refused to consider anyone for awards, didn't I, last year? Voice actors, <laughs> as much as much as I love Holly Hunter. Um, yeah, well, it's it's strange hearing Will Arnett voicing the villain in this when you're like, wait, Batman's in this movie, and he's but Will Arnett's also in this movie. It doesn't. I can't quite get my head around. It is it. weird that they don't make a joke out of it. And he's a mm. producer of this movie. Yeah, yeah, given some of the stuff they make jokes out of, it's very strange that it didn't come up. <laughs> they really get but, away with with <laughs> they they do the definitive the version of the the Martha joke, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, pretty good. We'll we'll get to that. But so you've got that. I, I thought it was interesting. This movie was produced by Aaron Horvath, who's one of the directors. Uh, Michael Jelinich, who's who's the co-writer with Aaron Horvath and then Will Arnett so he was obviously like pretty heavily involved with this thing mm-hmm. I, I don't know maybe whether he used maybe he used his Lego Batman clout to um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to get this a cinematic release I don't know but yeah I think the second time around I actually was like nah do you know what he's he's quite good and he's he's not doing his isn't he's not doing his Batman shtick at all and is getting to uh, to kind of co-deliver that performance with Kristen Bell. <laughs> yeah, just I, I, I do really as, like as the Jade, idea of Jade Wilson of, of, of Will Arnett and Kristen Bell playing the same character. I do like that. How how far into the movie did you realise that was a thing? I mean, just and purely... did you realise as soon as they said her name was Jade? I was going to say, I, 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 thought, I thought, I thought, I thought but... sister. Yeah, yeah I, I, I assumed sister until the reveal happened, and I was like. How how have they got away with that? <laughs> because the the immediate joke that they make is that for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, Jade Wilson is the fictional director of all of the like big superhero movies in this universe, in which all of the superheroes play themselves. So at the start, they're attending the premiere of a of a screening of Batman again. Batman again, what a title! <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys know that Muppets Most Wanted was originally titled The Muppets dot 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 again, <laughs> right? So that's what that's what they announced the title as. They're doing The Muppets again, and if you listen back to the first song in that movie, which is We're Doing a Sequel, that like some of the final lyrics of that song are Where the Muppets again in the Muppets again. It's the Muppets again, and it's 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 still in the movie, and it doesn't make any sense. And it's the sign off to the big to the big first number of the film. Um, and I liked that at the start of this movie. I saw a Muppet, and then I got the actual realization of that very funny title, Batman again. <laughs> There's a lot of layers to it. <laughs> Muppets Most Wanted is a terrible title. Yeah. And I think it lost that movie some box office because it was too generic. And generic is not the direction you should be going in with the Muppets. But I digress. Um, so <laughs> they go to the they go to the premiere of uh, Batman again, directed by Jade Wilson, who also directs all of these other movies. I love and... them showing her name on the screen in the font of the Justice League movie logo as well. <laughs> oh yes. Do you know what? Obviously, I didn't clock that at the time, but as soon as you said it, yeah. 
uh, <laughs> uh, and um, and yeah. So when the reveal happens, literally Deathstroke just like pulls off the entire costume and is suddenly two feet taller and a completely <laughs> different shape. <laughs> and then Robin makes a joke of him wearing him wearing a mask to mask his mask. <laughs> And it's the audaciousness of the nonsense that I think it gets, <laughs> lets it get away with it, <laughs> which is is probably probably the case for most of this movie. Um, I will say, guys, I think I I like the first half hour of this movie the most out of everything. I think I think there's a little lull in the middle, mm. a slight maybe like a ten minute, and it's only eighty eighty something minutes long, right? It's not. It's yeah. not too. It's yeah, it's, it's not too short. taxing, but I I still think there's a solid ten minutes in the middle that I kind of go. There was a gag every f- three seconds at the start of the movie, and now it's like <laughs> it's slowed down a bit. Oh, this is fine. I yeah. I could not believe the way that this film threw that challenges of the unknown joke <laughs> in that first five or ten minutes or whatever it is. Again, right, that was I another was thing that made me go lord by that. <laughs> Yeah. Explain the challenges of the unknown to me. <laughs> because obviously I'm watching the film and I'm going, well, everything else is real. I know I haven't heard of these, but I can I, I have to imagine. <laughs> okay, that Joe, what, what do you think, based on niche. what you saw, what do you think the challenges yeah. of the unknown are? <laughs> um probably like some very early DC team. Yeah, I mean, I mean pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, very early in sort of, as in a long time ago. I mean, not very early yeah, in DC yeah, yeah. terms, given that DC goes back to the 30s, but they are from the late 50s, um, yeah, yeah. created by Jack Kirby, of all people. Wow. <laughs> um, and certain parts of their concept very heavily reused by Jack Kirby when creating the Fantastic Four a few years later. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, they were a team of adventurers who basically went on like wild adventures, um, discovering, you know, they were kind of... They weren't really superheroes. They were a bit more kind of pulp inspired. They were kind of, you know, sci-fi pulp sort of crossover type thing. But because they were DC, but they kind of came at that time when the Silver Age was just kind of kicking off, but Marvel hadn't happened. So superheroes hadn't really become trendy again yet. And then they really just got kind of lost in the milieu of the 60s because, you know, they just didn't fit in the 60s at all. And then... They get revived every so often by people who like retro things. So Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did a take on them in the 90s and like they're a perfect fit for Tim Sale's artwork. Um, but what they really are is they're kind of they're, they're men out of time. It's like the way that they're played here in terms of they speak like they're from the 1950s, that whole mm. thing about we have missed the motion picture is like that is exactly how I would always expect to see the challenges of the unknown. <laughs> the thing I they, like are, they most... are basically a bunch of stuffy men from the 1950s. <laughs> um, like stuff like stuffy area whites wearing their like pink dildo costumes, right? <laughs> it's basically like if there was a team that was like five Reed Richards. Yeah. <laughs> right, the I thing mean, I like most of... about the joke is that they in this film they all have exactly the same face. Yeah. <laughs> even so even the... though one of them's a woman because yeah. they, there yeah. were originally four and then there was a fifth member called June who who was a woman who sort of became the fifth June. challenger. Um but they are like one of them one of them is basically Ben Grimm. Um one of them right. is kind of Johnny Storm. And one of them is definitely Reed Richards. There's one called Prof, who is just basically Reed Richards. Wow. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, that was just I just could, I could not believe a that this film was actually bothering to reference the challenges of the unknown, and b that it did it in such a funny way, and then immediately well, like so moments later, for our listeners that haven't for, that haven't seen the movie, the gag is. The Teen Titans turn up at the premiere of the new Batman movie. They're not on the list because they are considered like joke superheroes, whereas everyone else are a, a real superhero. So you see Wonder Woman and the Flash and the Green Lantern and everyone else getting in. Um, you also see the Atom, who is about to get in until the Rob <laughs> until Robin steps on him and squishes him. Atom and voiced then by Ra- Patton Oswalt. <laughs> yes, and then rather than rather than like apologising for what he's done. Robin just kind of like smears him off the bottom yeah. of his shoe, <laughs> and like the movie shows him pop up a little bit later, as in like every little bit of service, like he's not really dead. Don't worry, don't worry, children. <laughs> um, but it's uh, of a of a piece with some of the other kind of like dark pieces of humor in this movie that just had me going no. Come on, that is horrendous. My favorite example of that is when they run over the Michael Bottom tiger. And he's just like dead in the road, and then Cyborg goes, "I think his dad's a cop," and they all just get in the car and drive off. <laughs> that line is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really good. So the, the challenge of the unknown turn up at the premiere. The security guard does recognise them and lets them into the movie. The Teen Titans sneak manage to sneak in through one of Raven's portals. Is it Raven's portals? It she is does one portals, of Raven's right? portals. Yeah. So they sneak in through one of Raven's portals, but then see that the challenge of the unknown are sat where they want to sit, and they go, "Let's no, like they don't deserve to be here. Let's just portal them." They suck them up into a portal where they remain for the rest of the movie until they until all of the rest of the DC Universe's superheroes are also transferred into that like negative zone portal at the end of the movie. But because they are all possessed by Slade at that point, <laughs> rather than saving the Challenge of the Unknown, they mercilessly killed them. <laughs> uh. It's so dark. Seb, Seb messaged us after the movie and went, I didn't realise this was a PG, not a U. And I was like, oh, if anything was a hard PG, Teen Titans Go to the Movies is a hard PG. <laughs> um, the... Um- the other thing as well, though, about that cinema scene, aside from the fact that you get the challenge of the unknown gag, you get what I'm pretty certain, and he doesn't have a speaking part, but I was so delighted. I think it's the only ever screen appearance of Animal Man. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. And Animal Man is one of the heroes who you see. I think he's yeah. sitting next... Because there's a gag about Aquaman is feeding fish to Hawkman, and, and Animal <laughs> yes. Man sat next yeah. to them. And I was like, as a fan of Animal Man... <laughs> I was Power delighted Girl. to see him fight. Power Girl's in there somewhere as well, and I was really excited yeah. by that. I was like, "Oh!" And Power I can't Girl. imagine. I can't imagine Animal Man was too pleased with the feet, the fish being fed to. Uh, <laughs> and and to uh, in that as well, a joke that's really—it's a funny joke as a one-liner, but that that comes across really weirdly the more you think about it, which is the Supergirl gag of the. Who no, I was wearing. just about to talk about it. Yeah. It's a bit too sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's either a bit too dark or a bit too sexy. Yeah. Supergirl, who are you wearing? I'm wearing Plastic Man, and then it, <laughs> so I guess it's not dark because he grins. But then I was like, oh yeah, oh okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a parody movie of that somewhere on the internet. <laughs> yeah, um, 
that's what I mean. That that kind of first that first half hour. I mean, probably up to premiere is like ten fifteen minutes, but mm-hmm. the first half hour is so dense with this humor. We then at the pre- at the premiere of Batman again. So Robin is hoping that they're about to in, uh, announce a movie. <laughs> the, based you on know him. the funny thing about this in in August last year, they were making jokes of like here are some peripheral Batman spin-offs that would be ridiculous. And one of them is an Alfred spin-off. And yes, now yeah. Pennyworth is about to air. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they're like, Robin thinks there's going to be a movie based on him. They announce the first one is, it's Batman's best friend. It's <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, it's Batman's. Oh, it's indispensable to Batman. He's always there. It's and you see the eyes light up on screen like like Robin's. Yeah, like, it's the Batmobile. <laughs> I really like the it's bit in Batmobile, that where they all the just movie. go. Oh, that actually looks really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that does look good. Yeah. Oh, and that was what was it? It was for Alfred coming broom because he's sweet because yeah. he's a butler. For the car, coming it was broom. coming broom. <laughs> and then the third one is the utility belt. The movie. And I, I, again, as much as that is silly, like Christopher Nolan did this throughout the two thousands, <laughs> he he kind of went and was like the the running gag with Christopher Nolan was like, I'm exploring the Batman mythos, but I'll never be able to make Robin work. And then he was like, I'd n- I'd never put a Robin in these movies. Yep. And, and then went, he proved yeah, that he can't... was unable to make Robin yeah. work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you can't make Robin work in these movies. And Christopher was like, no, yeah, you know, absolutely, I can't make Robin work in these movies. I'm making them dark and gritty, and Robin doesn't work in that in that environment. Q, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah, no, Robin doesn't work in these movies. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to that movie eventually, but... Yeah. <clears throat> eventually. Um, <clears throat> my big thesis about that film is it shows you exactly why Batman needs Robin. By trying not to have Robin. <laughs> Interesting. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, th- so, th- so that's the gag, and I and I thought that was I thought that was like that's indicative of the film, right? That there is there is that little grain of like for all of the silliness, there's that grain of truth in there that the real world has gone. Yeah, a Robin movie would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Except now, we're in twenty eight in twenty nineteen, when you're talking about all of these characters who are getting movies, it does now almost feel a little bit strange that 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 Robin has been such a peripheral figure <laughs> in in superhero cinema. It's all the fault of Burt Ward, if we're being honest, because <laughs> he made he made Robin too ridiculous to work. But everything's ridiculous uh, well yeah yeah absolutely but, but i think but, robin but, but, was popular every, and ridiculous whereas everything else was obscure and ridiculous but i wonder whether it was more the fault of 80s batman comics that 80s batman comics went let's go dark and gritty and reclaim batman what should we do to robin i'll oh, fucking kill him yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, do, you know, do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. and then even, and then with the with the Burton, as we've talked about, the Burton movies were an attempt to reclaim Batman from the campness. Even though when we rewatch them now, they don't seem like that. But the the Burton movies are like more dark and gritty than Batman had been on the screen before. And by the time they get round to introducing Robin, it's it's got it's gone full it's gone circle back again, round yeah. to the camp. Oh, but, and by the time that they actually put him in the title of a movie, Batman, Batman and Robin has such a toxic reputation. 
But it's it's it is interesting, right? That Robin has only really turned up on the big screen sin in this century. In like a nod where they were too nervous to mm. actually to like actually give him a character name, it was like mm-hmm. I know his his, ne- his name is Robin, so it, it it might be him, it might not be him, and yep. certainly certainly that costume won't see the light of day. Uh, Snyderverse, oh he's dead, mate, <laughs> dead, already or, already dead. Like well, that knowledge is existence, but he's dead. He's not actually going to show him. That won't work with gritty Batman. I mean, part of and so yeah, I I like that in that in this movie that there, there's the there's the kind of the acknowledgement of that. Everyone does kind of think Robin's a silly concept, but here he is, and he's super fun. <laughs> I mean, the thing I like most about the Teen Titans Go version of Robin is that although he's like a really sort of serious and competent superhero who was trained by Batman, he is like this sort of like vain narcissist who (laughs) has, like, severe emotional problems. He just, like, and he's got all these, like, complexes about his sort of inferiority. He is one of the funniest characters in superhero television. Like, I find him absolutely hilarious. There's a really good episode of the cartoon where they've got this crystal which can split you into your five different aspects, and, like, Robin thinks he's going to be, like, the heroic one, the athletic one, like, the cool one. And then he's, like, you know, the the vain one, like, control freak one. It's it's sort of Red Dwarf levels of... Inc- That's inc- exactly what psychosis. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I would go... I can't remember what the episode's called, but go and look it up. There are a couple of episodes that have that crystal thing in, and they're always hilarious. Yeah, it sounds very cool. they split Beast Boy Red, Red Dwarf does that all the time, and they're right? All, sorry? Red Dwarf does that all the time of like, what if we just nail in on this yeah, yeah, neurosis on this of this character? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when they split Beast Boy into his five characters, they're all like five identical sort of lazy, horny, hungry versions. It's really I'm funny. glad you said that just then because I've been I've been watching a lot of Red Dwarf over the past couple of weeks because I randomly decided to start rewatching some on Netflix and. Once you start Red Dwarf, you can't stop until, of course, you get to Series 8, in which case you can absolutely stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, when you were saying that, I was like, oh, it reminds me of Red Dwarf. But I thought that was just my crazy brain. But no, no, it's was... a rare rare chance for Red Dwarf to get referenced and Seb not to be able to talk about it. Let's move on. Move on quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so in the background of the cinema, there is a poster for a movie called Batman v Superman, Yawn of Justice. <laughs> And that's part of the thing, right? This this film is quite brutal about the about the other DC movies. Well, you've got the Green but Lantern about... gag as well. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Green Lantern gag of like, oh yeah, we don't talk about that yeah. movie. And actually, I even, like the bit, even, even the Wonder Woman joke. The it took a long time, but finally, yeah, I got yeah, a yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll, and then when they when they so they they clock at this point in the movie that. Right. Okay. The reason everyone else is getting a movie and we're not, like, we're just as good superheroes as them. We've got we've got great powers. Um, you know, we save the day all the time. But what we don't have is a great arch nemesis. So the question here's here's a question on this, James: Was is Slade a part of the TV show before this, or does it get introduced in the movie and then uh, he's in the series? I don't remember him being in the series. In the in the right, TV okay. series, there it's uh, uh, who is it? The Injustice League, maybe. No, hang on. Oh, it's the hive, the hive. Um, they're enemies, and they're sort of minor DC villains. There's no one 
no one on the level of Slade slash so they're a bit they're a bit crap as well yeah yeah i mean they're they're mirrors of the titans there's a written there's a really good episode where the titans their tower is all messed up and like falling apart so they pretend to be villains and join the hive and they're so annoying that the rest of the hive quit and so they just (laughs) they become the hive and take over is really funny (laughs) lovely uh so so yeah um there's that gag that would so they figure out that like what they need is an arch nemesis and they're running through like Super Superman has Lex Luthor and Batman has the Joker and Green Lantern has Sinestro and the Flash has Rainbow Rider. Rainbow Raider, right? <laughs> and, and then one of them goes, yeah, that dude is really cool. He rides on rainbows. <laughs> but I like I, I like I like that they their first instinct is to make fun of themselves. But they will also make fun of everyone else as well. And kind of the next, like, absolute stunner of a gag that comes after that is when they go to the movie studio and who should pop up in the background but Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about this is that even if he hadn't voiced the bit that he does, before be he says anyway, anything. Yeah. It's still the funniest Stan Lee cameo because, yeah. the because way he's, he's in, in the background with that staring grin down the and camera the, and waving. The grin and the look on his face is incredible. And I was in bits, and then he comes forward and says, "I'm Stan Lee doing my subtle Stan Lee cameo," and it's just I could I was not able to explain to Lois why I was laughing so much. At yeah. that point. I said, "You just have to trust me that this is funny." <laughs> And then what they they point out that it's a DC movie and he removes himself, but yeah. <laughs> but can't resist coming back for a cameo to say Excelsior later yeah. in the movie. And when he comes back, he's like, I don't even care if this is a DC movie. I just want to be part of it. I mean, again, just 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 thinking to do that, it's like I don't know. I don't know where else or when else it would have occurred to someone to go, yes, you know, we're, we're going to get a Stan Lee cameo, even though it's a DC one, in much the same way as we're going to make a joke about people thinking that Deathstroke is Deadpool. Oh, uh, that is... I, I think that's the most I laugh in the movie because, <laughs> obvi- I, I, like, I've I've done this podcast for long enough that I know the, I know the like, interwoven yeah. history of those two characters. But also... Dude has two samurai swords on his back and this like red this red and black mask and like oh it's Deadpool I'm not Deadpool <laughs> no yeah dude you're Deadpool look into the camera and say something inappropriate <laughs> so good like that's so the thing good. the thing about this film is it's it's got a surprising amount in there for adults who are like comics and superhero literate and yet it still works fine as a children's film it's not like it's not like you're watching it going like uh sort of understand how this could be funny like it is genuinely it's, funny it's like i feel like animated film kind of went through like a bit of a uh like a, a weird transition period after 95 or yeah 95 when toy story turns up so toy story turns up in 95 and kind of rocks big big screen animation because you've got disney and dreamworks doing their 2d stuff and suddenly here's Pixar with this thing that everyone goes, holy shit, we love this. And so Disney kind of lose their identity for a few years and Pixar just roll doing stuff that people love. And then the other studios go, well, how, like, we should start aping 
Pixar. We've we've tried to ape Disney for years. Now we should like and, and you you had your Don Bluth stuff and all that obviously. And then and then early two thousands, all of your animation goes in the in the direction of Pixar with your three D computer animation. Mm-hmm. And some of that stuff really hits, like Shrek, um, the first winner of the animated movie Oscar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Shrek is kind of, and Shrek I think is probably like the the a little bit closer to this which is going we'll make a kids movie but there'll be an, we're, like we're going to cast Eddie Murphy in it and Mike Myers so there's enough stuff in there that the parents are going to like it and the kind of the the real bad side of that is your kind of shark tale kind of movies that are going what if we cast one of the characters as Martin Scorsese and what if there are jokes about goodfellas in the middle of a kids animated movie yeah. and you get this weird spate throughout the 2000s of movies that are pitched squarely at kids but have just completely out of place jokes for the dads mm. in there right I mean, I- and sometimes those kind of like slightly leery jokes for the dads as well um I'm sure. I've, I'm sure. Like you're probably cheap straight to DVD or like uh, dropped into cinemas because we've spent so little on production through some Mexican animation studio that we're able to we're able to give this some kind of release because we've got a piece of IP. Those movies tend to, I think, probably still do do a bit of that. But Teen Titans, I uh, isn't that for me because it it knows the area that it's playing in. And it's playing in superheroes. Yeah, the joke. And so they can, they can make a reference to Deadpool, and the kid will probably have heard of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. That's the and thing, even isn't if it? They the haven't. Jokes, it's like, just it's, even it's just the, the jokes, name of another superhero. Even if the jokes are aimed at adults, they're still on brand. Like they're still on the subject that the film is on. Mm. It's not like that you say. Big, it's not like a big, random, random, you know, Scarface bit turns up in the middle of a film. That big Lion King sequence in the middle is because of the because of the age of Lion King is something aimed at the parents, right? Mm-hmm. But the kids are going to get it as well because it's Lion King, I, it, and it's very much it's 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 in that. I mean, we talked about it right at the start, but that I, I mean, I think that that trend in animation that that you're talking about of sort of doing the the kind of the self aware and the kind of the movie reference and jokes and that kind of thing in movies. Yes, I think it, it probably does start with Pixar, but. In TV cartoons, you look back to Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. It was, you know, and obviously they are around the same era, slightly earlier. Um, And this film is absolutely in that tradition. Um, Yes, yeah, definitely. Of, you know, being part of that. And it's, um, it's, it's it's throwing references in such a way that, yeah, they, they don't feel like, um, Massively conspicuous reference jokes. Yeah, they're not out they of step over your head with with what um, the story is. Even if you don't yeah. get them, you you can enjoy it. And it's true that like of lots of things that like a, the Animaniacs in particular did. You know, you you can enjoy you can enjoy Pinky and the Brain, not knowing that the brain is awesome Wells. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, know? like The Simpsons. But when does it you all do, the time. it gets even better. And like yeah, the first it, the, time the you watch The Simpsons, you just get the jokes. The second time, like second time, when you're an adult and you watch them, you're like. Oh, this is rear window. Yeah. Like you don't yeah, have yeah, to know yeah. before that. Yeah, you know, before it, before you see it, it works on its own terms as well. And I think that you know, in in the classic Warner Brothers animation tradition as well, with with the Looney Tunes and and uh, and all that 
kind of stuff. Like there's this. I I, I feel like there's there's some stuff that you'd watch. Like it, this is a movie that's making references to stuff that makes sense within the world of the cartoon that you're watching. Because it is because it's superhero stuff. It's not like we're going to pause for a Kim Kardashian reference mm-hmm. because that's mm. that's the thing that's popular in 2019. It's uh, it's let's pause for a Deadpool reference because that or like a little Guardians of the Galaxy gag because those are the big superhero properties in 2019. Mm. And this is a superhero movie. And also, it gets away with it partly because it's not just this. Isn't just a superhero cartoon that's doing jokes about superhero movies. It is a superhero cartoon about superhero movies, so mm-hmm. it can make those jokes because they go into the fact that the whole film is about Robin wanting to be in a superhero movie. Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, to carry on with the plot, they get to the Warner Brothers studio where they see where the Animaniacs live, and they... <laughs> um, they they kind of meet Jade Wilson, who's directing Batman v Superman 2, uh, where they uh, bond over the facts that both of their mums are named Martha, but then they figure out their dads have different names. <laughs> so they carry fighting. on fighting again. Can I, can, I, sorry, can I just slightly as well, just, just to jump back a little bit, just to make a little observation, because I might forget to make it otherwise. The Animaniacs gag was one of several examples of it, but... Something I didn't know going into this, not knowing the cartoon. Starfire's speech patterns are so funny. Her thing <laughs> yeah. adding unnecessary definite or indefinite articles to everything. <laughs> definite articles it is, isn't it? But just, just yeah, the fact that she constantly calls everything the something. It's like it made me laugh almost every time. I can't remember the exact the exact wording of it, but the gag that they that they land on when they are winning Robin round at the end that that plays on the adding the definite article to it is just this lovely little subtle capper to that <laughs> running gag as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so they, they, they meet Jade Wilson. Uh, Robin makes his pitch to have a superhero movie and she goes, no, I would not make a superhero, I would not make a movie about you unless no other superheroes exist. So they decide <laughs> to go back in time and remove all of the superheroes' origins, so they're the only superheroes. See, that this exist. sequence had me absolutely dying uh, of laughter. Yeah. In the, like, as, <laughs> so, when I was watching this, I was like, I couldn't breathe because of how funny it was. Especially. So first, well, I will yeah, say, we'll I think the, the this this starts off with I think probably the the one moment where I do raise my eyebrows and go, "You don't need to be making these references, lads." And I don't know. I I feel like this every time anyone does a Back to the Future bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't think I've ever. You know when you know when people when reference culture, right? Mm-hmm. Ready Player One kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like if you love a thing, like Seb and I love Back to the Future. When you love something as much as I love Back to the Future, and it holds that special pl- a place in my heart, when I see Back to the Future references in stuff like Stranger Things, for example, I'm like, but yeah. you're pitching this to the mainstream who are like, oh, Back to the Future thing I've heard of, ah, oh, fun ref guys, whereas I'm like, no, I love Back to the Future, and I don't, <laughs> I, I kind of find you're pitching it to the mainstream 
kind of disrespectful yeah, of the amount that I love it that is, thing. It, it is quite hipsterish, <laughs> but it's it's the difference between, yeah. for example, having a character in a movie who has a souped-up flying DeLorean and having Rex in Toy Story say, I just don't think I could take that kind of a rejection. They are, yeah. They're two different kinds of reference, and I appreciate that it is quite hipsterish, to, but it's like... I I want it's like with with t-shirts referencing things it's like I I want a reference that you have to really know the thing to get the reference because then Here's, it becomes I, a I, I am going to be the curmudgeon here because I think what you two are essentially saying is I love Back to the Future more than these people. Therefore, yeah, 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 I, yeah, therefore is... I own it, which is wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. wrong. No, 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 shitty, you are right. It's but... shitty. It's shitty gatekeepery stuff. It is, and I get, I get that. My, right, I get because I've e- seen the thing this is, Back everyone loves Back to the Future. Right, you're not special. <laughs> I mean, well, the thing about Back to the Future is, it's the best film ever made. I mean, it is literally the best film ever made. <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> I mean, close, but not quite. Yeah. Um, but. It's it's just I feel like the time the the way in which people just fall back on the DeLorean and the music yeah, it's like it's, it, it it's not I mean Back to the Future isn't the best film ever made because it's got a DeLorean in it as cool as the DeLorean looks <laughs> and as as iconic as it is save that's this for the not Back the to the Future podcast why it's good. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's what I think here's what I would compare it to right when you like a band right and you're like everyone should love this band why doesn't everyone love this band and then they make it big and everyone loves them and you're like oh hmm i think i preferred it when i loved this band and i had some kind of cultural ownership over this thing um and <laughs> yeah but, but, but like but you've that, never think, had that with back the to fl- the future and you're entire no, 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 life no, no, back no. to the future no no i'm massive. not i'm not trying to make that but what i'm saying is i think like what you kind of what you aspire to is like i love radiohead i wish everyone loved radiohead and what's happened with Radiohead is that they have become big, but in a way that everyone that loves them kind of does... Go- like, no one loves Radiohead in a casual way. Everyone loves them, goes deep on it. And I and and for me, the Back to the Future stuff... I have this on the flip side with Star Wars. I'm like, start fucking referencing Star Wars and stuff. <laughs> we get it. People like Star Wars. You grew up watching Star yeah, Wars. That I do not, it's not, yeah, so did it's not some kind of like It's not some kind of clever niche reference. Like, oh, li- it's like, oh, Star Wars ref, he's holding a lightsaber. That is. <laughs> oh, Back to, Back to the Future ref, he's got a, he's got a DeLorean. I, we're massively on a tangent here, but my point is, yeah, I like any time, and I'm, I, 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 James, I'm completely agreeing with your perspective on this here, right? <laughs> I know that this is shitty of me, the way I think about it. But anyone, any time anyone references Back to the Future, I'm like, yeah, but you know, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't understand. Martin the only thing I will say is that <laughs> there was never a point. It's not like Back to the Future is something that was a cult thing that has become popular. Yeah. Back to the Future was the biggest grossing film the year it <laughs> yeah. came out. It's always been massively popular. It just happens to be something that, like Jurassic Park, is massively popular and everyone yeah. knows it, and it's brilliant. So it's like. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like something that should be more cult than it is because it's like it's too good to be this popular surely <laughs> but it's like at the end of the day everyone knows back to the future everyone recognizes the music everyone like recognizes venom. the delorean and i suppose we do just have to kind of suck it up but i still fucking hate ernest klein <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so in this i think it was the one thing in this movie that i went they're doing the back to the future music they're making plutonium gags like, 
Uh, this this feels like what are the kids thinking at this point? <laughs> like what, <laughs> what what why does Back to the Future yeah, have, okay, a, that, have a I'll place of reference that. in this? I will film. give you that. Although so, the thing yeah. I liked about this about that joke is when they're like, "Why don't we just use a normal time machine?" Which turns up a lot in the series, and then it cuts yes. away to it, and just like the door falls off. Because well, Robin's basically, like, they use it Robin's all like, the time. Robin's like, not cool enough. Yeah. Need something more exciting for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so. They go back in time to stop all of the superheroes' origins. So they go back, they go back and absolutely tear into Superman's parents. <laughs> like, what? guys, what are you doing? You're sending a baby to a planet. Why don't you just sort the crystals out and keep the planet together and then play some kind of like EDM synth- dubstep, ED- EDM dubstep anthem on the. Kryptonian crystals stop the planet from exploding, thus stopping Superman ever coming to Earth. They go and steal Wonder Woman's uh, lasso. Lasso is it? La- is it lasso of justice? Lasso or of truth? truth. It's got his yeah. lasso of truth. Yeah. Um, or after uh, watching Professor Marsden and the Wonder Women, the the lasso of BDS <laughs> right? <laughs> The, the lasso of polyamorous kink, yep. I think, is um, is what we could more acu- accurately describe it as. Um, they go back to Crime Alley and stop Batman and be like, guys, why don't you go down Happy oh, Alley? Oh, that, that joke. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that it's named Crime Alley in the comics after ba- after Batman's parents being murdered there, right? Or is that is that me giving them credit? Is it always called Crime Alley when they walk down there? Or did they name it Crime Alley because like the, one of the biggest crimes in the history of Gotham occurred there? I mean, I always assumed that Crime Alley was never an official name, to be honest. Okay, yeah, right. Well, then maybe you go... Maybe it's that. Um, and I'm, tr- I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the others, but the, really, I'm just spinning... Sp- oh, yes, they, they turn around the teenagers and <laughs> away, from the ooze. Also, away from the ooze and back in. And speed. also, the Aquaman one is probably the bleakest of the lot. Oh, that's, so so yeah. that's that's what I was building up to because this is one of the best gangs guys in the movie. That there is a little baby Aquaman swimming through the sea and they throw in a plastic <laughs> can ring, like uh, the plastic, what do you call it? The, the plastic that you put around tops of cans. Yeah. Um, Basically, any time you've ever seen a story about like fish or dolphins dying in the ocean, it's because of one of those plastic drinks things. I mean, you and... don't see them anymore, do you? Because of that. Yeah, and in no, this, you do, you do, uh... you do still get them, but okay. just we're we're all trained to cut them all up, to cut up every single ring before we put them in the bin. <laughs> I think I think they might have finally post Attenborough died a death. I I I haven't no, seen I, them I, for I, a while. I, I, I still get them. Yeah, definitely. Oh, from yeah, but Seb, beers from the corner Seb, shop. <laughs> yeah, but Liverpool, right? It's, it's a different vibe around there. <laughs> the further south you go, the more refined we become. And I say that as a as a as a proud Yorkshireman who misses my less refined roots. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Aquaman anyway, they caught. they literally drown a baby. <laughs> they literally drown a baby Aquaman. <laughs> it's so bleak. It's and, so bleak. And don't and don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> they just like right job done. Let's head back. so Let's the thing about that sequence that I really enjoyed is that they have all the the comics covers 
and the characters disappear from them. And I was not expecting going into this film to see Brian Bolland Wonder Woman. Brian Bolland's Wonder Woman cover, yes. And you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I feel catered to as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, so that, it's when they yeah, do it, because they go back to the future and it's all messed up and they're like, oh, I guess we do need other superheroes. So they just go back and undo their, or redo the origins. Yeah, so they so they then and all of this happens in like literally two or three minutes. They then go, well, as as Robin says, oh, we need to go back to the future. No, oh, the past. Yeah, so so we've 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 done it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they go, and then they go back, and so like <laughs> that somehow manages to be an even bleaker sequence where they're like. No, now we're going to explode Krypton and Superman's parents are going to die. No, now we need to give Batman's mum her pearls. Yeah, see, that is, that is my favourite part of the film, is that they put the pearls on Batman's mum and literally, like, push his mum and dad into the alley. the alley. And it's the, like, the look of glee on Robin's face as he does it and the look of, like, abject uh, horror on, like, tiny Bruce Wayne's face. <laughs> you hear the gunshots off screen and he's like... Yeah. <laughs> He's grinning and thumbs up while Bruce's parents are being shot. And as I say, the fact that this is Robin doing that as well. It's just, that's the bit where I was properly like choking on my own laughter. Just couldn't even I've seen seen this film compared to slash described as being like basically Deadpool for kids. That joke is darker than than anything anything that Deadpool does. I, I'll be honest. So, so I I level off on this being a four star movie um, on like when I'm inputting it onto Letterboxd. Uh, uh, Joke on fourteen on Letterboxd, guys. <laughs> Some h- high octane content. Um, <laughs> just just rated my friend Dharma three stars. So go you, back and find mine and Mike Leader's podcast then. Oh yeah, <laughs> with, with Professor Marston and the Wonder yep. Woman. Wonder Women. See, that's another one of our podcasts that I wasn't on that I listened to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, I level out under four stars for for this movie, but I think after, like, up until this point and up until that time traveling sequence, and it's five stars. It's barely put a foot wrong, and it's so dense for half an hour of gag after gag after gag. Oh, the the sequence when they go, when they get back to the present and there are no superheroes, then all of the supervillains are just running around wreaking havoc. And, like, you cut between a few of them to see what they're doing. And Lex Luthor's there just shaving people's heads. <laughs> Vill- villainously shaving people's heads so they're all bald like him. <laughs> like, and that's something that I, I just, like... You, you know, you almost miss because they are like they're peppered in so thick and fast. I would say the 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 next stretch of the movie is a little bit. This is the yeah, like the ten twenty minutes where it starts to lose me a little bit. Apart from the the the, as we've already discussed, the star of this kind of middle act is my superhero movie. Yeah. That, and that, that comes when he gets back, right? Or has he already done that? No, he has he does, already done it? He does that the first time he goes to the studio, I think. Okay, so oh, right, so maybe I'm wrong then. So maybe so what does happen in this little sequence? Because he gets back and Jade Wilson decides, oh, no, well, I, I will give you a movie. 
Oh, because they they successfully stop Slade from stealing the crystal, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the MacGuffin in the middle of the movie. Yep. They successfully stop Slade from from getting the crystal, and then keep it in Teen Titans Tower. Mm-hmm. And so immediately Jade... after that, Jade suspiciously gives Robin a superhero movie. After, yeah. And we... After Slade has decided he's going to separate Robin from the others. Yes. Yeah, so that that's the that's the shtick in the middle, and that that and action it, sequence where they fight Slade is actually really cool because it like it shows you these characters who have been basically jokes for the whole movie actually being really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then uh, I, I I don't know if you guys agree. This then feels like the ten to twenty minute stretch, and I don't know whether it's maybe because they separate. Robin and yeah, the rest of I think the it is because especially you know immediately going in like okay, this is the bit where they separate and then eventually they're going to come back together. Because with the greatest respect to those other four characters, they are kind of a group who have shticks, and then Robin is the lead. Yeah, you you could call the show Robin and the Sea Titans, right? Uh, cer- the certainly the movie. Yeah, yeah. And when you separate them, it does kind of like feel, well, you've got one guy over here and this kind of amorphous group that all blend into one at the other side. Certainly when they're apart anyway. And I feel like you have to go through the motions for maybe the next 10 or 15 minutes until you get to mm-hmm. until you get to the Jade Wilson, Slade Wilson reveal sequence. Mm. There's not much in the middle there that I can really remember and go... Oh yeah, no, that bit was fantastic. Yeah, well, it, that bit was they great. get to the the plot section, don't they? Where they're like, they've got yeah. the doomsday device, and you know, there's the the poking at streaming and stuff, and it sort of it slows it slows down to start telling a story, and the the jokes start thinning out a bit. And I think that's what that's what makes it drag more than anything is that it's not as funny suddenly. Yeah, and it, well, and, and for me, just not as dense. Yeah, because there isn't the opportunity for that for that like quick back fire and forth, of gags yeah. when when you're having to get through plot stuff. But then I, I'll, I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what I do kind of like in that middle sequence that if you have Jade Wilson as the director of a Batman v Superman movie, what this movie essentially posits is that. Zack Snyder is the ultimate villain of everything DC. <laughs> because when you bring when you bring together the entire DC movie and comics oeuvre on screen, the villain is the person who directed Batman v Superman Yawn of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Release the Jade Wilson cut. Not a bad thesis. <laughs> so yeah so um jade voiced by Kristen bell who's great um revealed to be slayed and then the kind of the all of the final act stuff uh starts starts to come together um the, uh, do you know what? I, I I did appreciate that we didn't have to go through a big section where the rest of the Titans were kind of upset with Robin because he abandoned them. Because well, it's I think the really sweet thread that's running through all this movie is the Teen Titans don't want a movie. Yeah, Robin it's just wants Robin, a movie, and they even <laughs> they try and make him a little movie early on, and he like throws it back in their face. Yeah. But but the, but they want him to get. They're not they're not bothered about having a Teen Titans movie. They're like. 
yeah, Robin has done a lot for us. We really like this guy. We want him to have a movie because it's important to him. Mm-hmm. And so when he when he kind of comes back and he's like, guys, I'm sorry. And they're like, yeah, it's okay, buddy. <laughs> we can, yep. we don't have to go through a protracted sequence where we're not friends with each other. <laughs> we're just, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll just, we'll fight Slade together. <laughs> and I like as well that Raven turns up and she's like, she's like, oh yeah, but guys, the first thing I need to tell you is that Jade Wilson is... Yes, Slade Wilson. I, we, I think we all got that very early <laughs> yeah. in the movie. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the 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 plot stuff is that Slade has this crystal, which through this doomsday device that he set up at the premiere of the Robin movie, every, which he's through the doomsday device is being streamed to everyone around the world at the same time, so they can all watch it. Um, is that they all get hypnotised, right? And and, then and the reason of- why he's been making all the movies is because, as you said before, everyone stars as themselves. So as as Jade, he basically keeps all the superheroes busy <laughs> and in Hollywood and not in their yes. own cities <laughs> so that he can go and steal stuff. <laughs> it did... It, I tell you what, that aspect of this did make me yearn for the MCU to get around to that because the MCU is kind of has firmly established its superheroes as celebrities. Mm. And we got so close in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to Nathan Fillion as Simon Williams playing Tony Stark in a movie. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want I kind of want them to have a little bit of fun with stuff like that. You can totally Maybe imagine James them making a Captain some... America movie in the MCU, can't you? Yes. Oh like directed by the kids from Spider Man. Yeah. One of them, one of them from the AV club grows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, gets to make the uh, gets to make the Captain America movie. Um, yeah, so the the the, the shtick then is that all of the superheroes have been hypnotized, which gives you an opportunity to watch all of the superhero, all of the like D- DC, like the Justice League and all the rest of the characters fight the Teen Titans, but they, as we've already discussed, hide them in a portal. And then it's a case of it's just it is the idea from the start of the movie of what if it was just the Teen Titans and they finally get to kind of like fight the biggest threat when it's just them and no one else is going to step in and help them. Um, and all the, and I think that's that that's the benefit of the third act as well, that all of that plot stuff, the, the like the mechanics that you've had to go through to get there. It's done now, and you can just focus on the fun of it, and you can focus on these characters kind of getting together. Um, and like, Robin gets hypnotized, and they have to break back through to Robin, and they show him his like little felt film that they made him at the start, of the film, <laughs> which is really sweet. The extended gag about Robin's baby hands has paid off a couple yeah, of that's, times. That by runs then. throughout the TV show as well. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping it wasn't just a Donald, a Donald Trump gag that had made its way No, into... no, no. It's all a thing that he has baby hands. <laughs> um, and they are baby hands. When he shows yeah. them, they are baby hands. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so they all kind of, they, they get this opportunity to tell Robin why he's so great and that what he's done for all of them and why they're important as a team. And then the final showdown ends up being a reprise of the Teen Titans Go rap from the start of the movie, where this time, rather than at the start of the movie, where they think they've saved the day through their rapping, but actually the <laughs> Justice League had saved the, them in the background, this time their song is literally so rad 
It's Slade Wilson inside his giant robot that he's constructed. <laughs> <laughs> kind of gets defeated by them and rolls out of the thing and goes, that song was so rad. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what I mean? It is, set, it's, it is complete self-actualization through yeah, song. Yeah, because right? the, they're going... accepting who they are and, and embracing yeah. it rather than trying to be a different type of superhero. They're, you know, they are the Titans and this is how they do it. The thing that's fun about us is how goofy we are yeah. and how silly we are and how much fun we have and i did think that earlier said when you were talking about like the shift from like the titans were this team who were like maybe early in the 80s and 90s were like the these characters who were about to come of age that were like transitioning from child superheroes into adult superheroes and that for our generation the version of that is here are these kids who are the teen superheroes who are kind of should be transitioning into adulthood but really what they do is they like live in an apartment together they slob around and dick around and have fun it's basically just what kids do at uni now (laughs) (laughs) like this is this is our generation yeah like the these are (laughs) the the heroes that we we deserve yeah just put them around and eat pizza (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and dick around and kind of, kind of like muddle their way through eventually. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, and yeah, that th- that final Teen Titans Go rap against Slade is uh... also, and we 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 haven't we haven't mentioned this. Um, the running gag is how much fun it is to say Slade as a superhero as a as a superhero. <laughs> Slade again. This, that's something that uh, Lois during during uh, tea the other night started to do, and it took me a minute to figure out what she was doing. She was sticking out her tongue and going Slade. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like about the end of the film as well is how they have the whole like, what did we learn thing, and they're like, no, we didn't learn anything. <laughs> And he's like, no, we have to well, have a moral. Yeah. Robin's like, oh, great. We saved the day. Brilliant. Thanks for everything, guys. And we cut to credits. And then Robin's like, no, 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 no stop, guys, because we should do we should do a moral, right? No, dude, the movie's done. Yeah. The movie, we don't need a moral. But I feel like I should end on something. There should be something profound. There should be something thought-provoking that people walk away from this from and think and like they're talking about this and like no 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 dude we need to end the movie <laughs> which is when he runs the camera and says kids ask your parents where babies come from <laughs> uh Seb did Lois ask that question thankfully not <laughs> uh, but I can only imagine like yeah. there must have been so many kids walking away from the cinema going <laughs> yeah mum dad <laughs> I mean that's just that's just the, the tone of the film. Troll isn't it? Job yeah, from like, the movie. <laughs> it just it it punks everyone, even the parents bringing their kids to see it. Yeah. Oh, parents, have you have you been laughing along with this? You've been yeah. having fun. <laughs> well, well oh, yeah, oh, we've yeah. It's fun when we laugh at everything else, isn't it? Well, here's your here's your turn. <laughs> if I if I ever watch this with my, with my future child, who 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 knows? By the time this podcast is released, maybe we'll have even turned up. Um, <laughs> but I I will be turning this off uh, a minute before the end. <laughs> no difficult conversations ever. <laughs> Good luck with that. Or leave or leave leave the room and ask your mum. <laughs> I'm already I'm already nailing parenting you guys. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be so much fun. Uh anything else that you uh want to talk about, Teen Titans go to the movies before we finish up? One I mean oh, uh, 
a lot of voice cast stuff that we like Nick Cage as Superman is. Oh God, how do we fun. miss that? Yeah, <laughs> Nick Cage finally getting his chance to be Hall Superman. of Famer Nick Cage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Will Wheaton's the Flash, although I don't remember him actually speaking. Kind of like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, I mean, Halsey is Wonder Woman, which I'm sure will mean something to some people. The thing I wanted <laughs> to say is that. The thing I like about Teen Titans Go generally is that all of the the characters are actually like really strong, and they've all got very distinct personalities, and they're all funny as well, which is especially good in the case of Raven and Starfire. Like, they are super well rounded as characters. Like, they're not strong female characters. Like, they have flaws. <laughs> like, they have negative character traits as well. Um, but they're also the two most powerful members of the Titans, so they're badass in that respect like it's what people mean when they say yeah, strong when strong strong as in well developed not strong as in punchy mm. yeah you can be both yeah um james i can only, I, I like i watch this film and i'm like raven is such a james character. <laughs> raven is definitely a james character <laughs> <laughs> you have nailed it completely she's my favorite by far yeah, me and Emmy yeah. are always arguing because she's like Starfire's the best and I'm like no Raven's the best you just you're too young to realise <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Emmy loves Starfire so much because A she has pink hair and she loves kitties and she's funny like there's a and really good Lois's there's some really good stuff apparently. in the um, TV series where Raven not Raven uh, Starfire and uh, Cyborg and Beast Boy like realise they want to have a triple like a triple act so that they're all funny and they're all like taking the mickey out of Robin is so funny that stuff I'm sure at some point all of us will have seen every episode of Teen Titans yeah and if you like the film I can absolutely recommend like the early series is a bit weak but if you push through it and and get to learn the jokes you'll love it like it is properly brilliant Seb anything that we've missed from your perspective not really, no. It's just it's just nice to be talking positively about <laughs> DC movie, DC <laughs> film, isn't it? Yeah, it can be done. One that just gets it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman got it. Yeah, and I, I really like Shazam. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, I feel like Shazam's going to be one of those movies, you know, that like I talked quite positively about in the episode. It just, it just is completely falling from my mind in the months since. I think the good bits of Shazam remain good and the bad bits remain terrible. And I don't think... I think I'm always going to fail to resolve those as whether I really like the movie or think it's a massive misstep. I think it maybe is going to be one of those movies that, like, if I flick through the channels and it comes on, I'm like, this is a movie that will be nice to spend half an hour in the presence of. (laughs) But not two and a half hours. But it's but like I know what's in the movie and it's never good. It's never gonna like really get me thinking or anything like that. Yeah. Still, it's nice. It's not. It's not a bad movie. I just think it's. Yeah. <laughs> it's no Teen Teen Titans Go to the movies. That's for sure. No. <laughs> okay, so that was Teen Titans Go to the movies. Do you guys want to do comic book recommendations? I think I've already pretty extensively explained that you should go and read Wolfman and Paris' yeah. Teen Titans. Yeah, so. you should. And James has pretty extensively explained that you should go watch, <laughs> watch the, the first season. Of I mean, Titans I actually, go. me and Emmy read the Teen Titans Go comic. Um, oh, fun. Which is equally good. Good fun, yeah. 
Lovely stuff. Okay, so that's that's the comic book, uh, the comic book recommendations section, um, which means obviously we must naturally go to another James Hunt quiz. Yeah, and I'm gonna see Seb. Does this sound familiar to you? Yeah. I I know what sound I'm gonna hear. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. What on earth was that? This is Joe, do you remember me and Seb used to have a comics podcast called the Alternate Cover Podcast? Well, I do remember, yes. Yes, because also it wasn't just me and you for a while, it was yeah, me and you me. and Reese. Reese. Good old Reese. Before he went to Canada for a bit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to be doing the Obsessed with Marvel quiz, which was a bit we used to do on that podcast. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so what happens is I've got a copy of the book Obsessed with Marvel, which has 2,500 trivia questions about Marvel Comics in. Most of them ridiculously <laughs> so, obscure. For context, um, I would say that podcast was part of the inspiration for doing this podcast because I listened to a bit of it and I was like... I know all of these guys. I like all of these guys, but it's way too fucking dense for me. I, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing out of this. What if I could take these guys and make it like something accessible? That an idiot, an idiot like me could understand. <laughs> so I, I can't say that I listen to it enough to get the running bits. Yeah, but we've come full circle. Here we go. So I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is first to five. Just because is it? It's not. It's, it's not multiple choice. It is multiple like choice. Just... I'll read them out. Great. Okay. First of five, and we're going to see once and for all whether you've gleaned enough comic book knowledge to defeat Seb. <laughs> right. So, I doubt it. But this is question for anyone playing at home. Question two thousand one hundred sixteen. What is Sominus? Is it an other a another dimensional realm? B realm of Thog the Nether Spawn. C, Dimension of the Nagari Demon of Korek, or D, the Nightmare Dimension? So when you said it, I was like, oh, maybe that rings a bell. Maybe I can... (laughs) Sominus is actually mentioned in Howard the Duck. That's where, if you know it from anywhere, that's where. So read the options again. (laughs) A, Other Dimensional Realm. B, Realm of Thog the Netherspawn. C, Dimension of the Nagari Demon of Korek. Or D, the Nightmare Dimension? I'm going to go for the Nightmare Dimension. Uh, I think you're going to be wrong. (laughs) Incorrect. (laughs) It is B, Realm of Thog the Netherspawn. Right, okay. Okay. Sure. So, Seb, this is your question. Question 676. Let's have a look. Oh, I should say, these these are all uh, divided into sections... Seb, you've got one from the Spider-Man section. Ah, Which writer... Can I I ask this? Is this sound a random number generator? Oh, yeah, sorry. There's an electronic thing where you press it and it selects a random question for you. Right, right, okay. Oh, that's attached to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Okay, question 676, Seb. Which writer co-created the funny animal hero Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham with artist Mark Armstrong? Is it A, Jim Salakrup, B, Steve Gerber... C, Tom DeFalco, or D, Fred Hembeck? I reckon DeFalco. Yeah. Correct. I recognise that noise. Okay. (laughs) Do you? Because you didn't hear it that often. (laughs) Okay, Joe, question 
1659 from the Incredible Hulk section. Oh, great. Who drew the Namor Iron Man battle in Tales to Astonish 82 brackets? That's the 1966 issue. Was it right. A, Jack Kirby and Gene Colan? B, Jack Kirby? C, Gene Colan? Or D, neither? Uh, <laughs> both. <laughs> Correct. Hey! One point each. One. So before you said it, I was going to guess Jack Kirby, and then, <laughs> and then I was like, "Damn, more than one option." Yeah, is Jack I hope Kirby. everyone's playing along at home, by the way, because otherwise this is just fun for us. <laughs> well, so like most, of the <laughs> like most of the podcasts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also from the Incredible Hulk section, question eighteen fourteen. Who recreated Marvel monsters to fight the Hulk in the Incredible Hulk Annual Five, nineteen seventy six? Was it A, the High Evolutionary, B, Modok, C, the Leader, or D, Zemnu the Titan? The Leader. The Leader. Incorrect. Ah. I'm afraid it was Zemnu the Titan. I saw your logic there, though, Seb. <laughs> is, it, is this last one the tiebreaker, then? Or are yep. we, we're not doing five? No, we're we? doing, we'll do best of five, because otherwise it'll take forever. Okay. <laughs> so, question 214. This is from the Fantastic Four section. <laughs> Who is the Fantastic Four mailman Willie Lumpkin's assistant, Billy Lumpkin? Is it A, Willie Lumpkin's nephew, B, Willie Lumpkin's niece, C, Willie Lumpkin's son, or D, Willie Lumpkin's daughter? Nephew. Nephew. I mean, I can tell you now you're wrong because Billy Lumpkin is a girl. <laughs> Incorrect. Wait, a girl a girl can have a nephew. Oh no, oh yeah, so a girl we, can't be a nephew. Billy though. is the girl. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think we'll call it sudden death now. What was the answer? Oh, it was it was Billy Lumpkin uh was uh niece niece. Was it niece or daughter? Uh, niece, yeah. Okay. okay, question six seven nine. Seb, if you get this you win. Oh, we're from the Spider Man section again. Oh dear. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Boo. Who helped Spider-Man combat the Lords of Light and Darkness in Marvel Team-Up Annual 1, 1976? Was it A, Thor, B, the X-Men, C, Doctor Strange, or D, Adam Warlock? <sighs> Doctor Strange? The Lords of Light and Darkness. It sounds Doctor Strangey, doesn't it? Let's hear the answer. Incorrect. <sighs> it was the X-Men, naturally, naturally. <laughs> it was the well, X-Men. What, what happens now? Now... Do I win on away goals? No, 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 we're going to do sudden death <laughs> until you get one right. God. Right, okay. Question 576. Just just in case anyone's wondering, it's 20 past midnight. <laughs> no one's going to bed until we get a question right. Yeah. Oh, Joe, you might get this one. Uh, right, well, so i definitely get it wrong. Under what circumstances did Spider-Man first meet the Green Goblin? A, the Green Goblin Ooh. invited Spider-Man to star in a movie. B, the Goblin invited Spider-Man to be his partner in crime. C, the Goblin challenged Spider-Man to a public duel. Or D, Spider-Man found the Goblin robbing a bank. This is basic stuff. You should know this one. Right. Well, I, d- I mean, obviously I haven't read this. Obviously. I think the only, the only early... I think I, like, hopped around some early Spider-Man and read some, like, a few comics around there. But I don't think I read early Green Goblin. Uh, so what? read the options again I felt like it was C or D but I can't remember what the options were A. The Goblin invited Spider-Man to star in a movie B. The Goblin invited Spider-Man to be his partner in crime C. The Goblin challenged Spider-Man to a public duel or D. He found the Goblin robbing a bank 
No, do you know what? I'm going to go against all my better instincts and go for B. <gasps> Incorrect. The goblin oh, challenged no, Spider-Man to a duel. Uh, I probably would have gone to the bank one anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, 818, Seb, it's on you to get this because we all want to go to sleep. And I'm committed to the bit now. Ooh, okay, this is from the Avengers section. What are the sleepers? Are they A, secret Nazi agents, B, Nazi robot war machines, C, superhumans kept in a trance-like state, or D, special shield agents? Oh, D sounds a bit too obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, it does sound very obvious, doesn't it? <laughs> Is that the answer? Um, it would be very obvious if it was the answer. Too obvious, I C. think. C? <sighs> Come on. <laughs> Did you not watch the Captain America cartoon? Which one was it? The 60s Captain America cartoon where he w- it's called something like The Sleepers Awaken. It's really good. The Nazi robot war machines. Oh, that was the real answer. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I was I was thinking Nazi robot war machine would be a very interesting Disney Plus show. <laughs> okay, Joe, you're going to win it, I think. I think I hope oh, I really hope. Well, no, because I, I still time. I still get a chance to get one. Joe doesn't get. No, to no, win. it's sudden death, Seb. No, you don't understand how penalty shootout works. No, you don't understand how the obsessed with Marvel quiz by James Hunt works. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm not losing if Joe's had more questions than twelve fifty one. Which X Men team member is subject to Berserker rages? Is it A Dark Phoenix, B Wolverine, C the Beast, or D Cable? Wolverine. B Wolverine. Are you sure? Yeah. Correct. Hey. I'm declaring you the winner. No, give Seb a question. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you an out and you your pride wouldn't let you, Seb. <laughs> Remember that. Question 2401. <coughs> oh, oh, that's boy. an easy one. Notoriously. This is Marvel time question. <laughs> to which officer did Sergeant Nick Fury report? Was it A, Sam Sawyer, B, Simon Savage, C, Colonel Craig, or D, General Argyle Fist? <laughs> B. B. We've got a one in four chance that we all get to go to bed. I'm afraid we get to go to sleep. Seb, you've lost. It was A, <laughs> Sam Sawyer. I thought it was, but I just wanted to get it wrong. Joe, that, may, that makes you officially the comics expert here. Wow. wow. Oh no, we're wow. losing our comics expert. What are we going to do? <laughs> I like it. I like that that quiz essentially is you will know the answer to almost none of these questions unless you happen to get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you've got a one in four chance. <laughs> I did know the Green Goblin one, by the way. Yeah. We all knew. Sure. Um, okay, so that's... Uh, that's good. That, that means it the... weird. It means that Joe gets to go out on a high, having defeated Seb Fantastic. once and for all. Yeah. And you didn't even and have to award go. yourself the win like you normally do. <laughs> now I can go and parent with confidence, yep. knowing knowing that I won two out of three of the quizzes, two, two of which I was essentially competing against myself and one time lost to myself. <laughs> Pretty comprehensively. Um, <laughs> still can't think of any Marvel characters that don't have an eye in them. Um, <laughs> need to learn more Eternals. 
so that that is it for our 100th episode um that's it for this week's show uh seven james will ret- be returning i'll be back at some point in the future uh guesting uh in between struggling to parent yeah I maybe imagine. the joker maybe if you can cope with it by then <laughs> i think that might be optimistic maybe and I, and, I, and I don't want to make Joe feel like we're already not going to miss him, but we, we've deliberately lined up what we think is a pretty good guest and film combo. Yeah, Joe doesn't episode. even know what it is yet. Yeah, He's going to be sick no. when he finds out as well. <laughs> I mean, you had a pretty good guest and film combo while I was off last week anyway, so yeah. I, I, I prepared myself for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh so uh, we will we will do the usual sign off if you're enjoying the show then please do subscribe on uh acast apple podcast stitcher player fm or your podcast app of choice you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe uh and that way you'll be able to hear us ad free um you can uh find us uh, t-shirts and other associated merch at redbubble you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening to however many of the hundred episodes you managed to sit through. Thanks for listening. Seven James, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, Joe. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Right, is he gone now? Yeah, finally. I listen to that regularly still, to the point that Laura had to firmly veto it from the wedding playlist. <laughs>